0: Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society Podcast 179. Today I interview Doug Stannett. Doug is an old pal from Monsterpalooza and he's been in conjoined. He's a great sculptor. He's got a really unique ceramic sculpting technique, which we talk about. But I really enjoyed this interview because we got into the weird stuff also, like they've been getting into, which I am I'm, I'm not re- apologizing for anymore because that's weirder than, uh, um, apologizing all the time is, is even weirder than talking about weird stuff. Anyway, that was kind of fun to hear another perspective on the weird stuff. So I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Doug is super easy to talk to, very fun dude and uh, real, real, just a cool guy. So, anyway, that's what that's what I have in store for you. What have I been doing? Uh we got our our, our uh our, the town I live in got the um pre-evacuation warning lifted. Our fires are under control or gone now, so that's good. Um the we, we were almost evacuated from our neighborhood cuz the fires were really close. I mean, I could see them from the From the backyard and the front yard, flames going up. It was crazy. So, you know, this is the new reality we live in. It was crazy, but we got through it, and my house didn't burn down. And uh, if any of you, if your house did burn down, I, I am sorry that happened to you. It's a scary thing. Scary thing. Anyway. Um, so that's been going on that kind of the whole fire situation screwed things up for the last week. So you could probably hear a helicopter in the background cause there's still, I mean, this fire is huge. So there's still helicopters flying around and stuff, dumping water on it. Um, our whole mountain, we have this nice mountain view out the front yard and in the back and the whole mountain is just gray. It looks like it's made of ash. Like it's just going to collapse. Ugh, terrible, terrible. Anyway, so that, like I said, that kind of screwed my whole life up for at least a week. And, uh, yeah, had a few more po- posters I had to do, tool posters. Uh got those done just before I did this. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Not too much excitement um, to report. Okay, let's do the new subscribers. New subscribers, we've got two. If you want to uh subscribe, you can go to Patreon dot com slash dark art society. And uh you can get the podcast a day early. You know all the stuff. I say it at the beginning of every episode. But it also helps support the podcast and keep it free and and commercial free for everybody. So it's people chipping in a little bit of money. Every month, a buck, and you get a bunch of free podcasts. Well, I guess if you're paying a buck, it's not free, but it's almost free. A buck's pretty cheap. Okay, so new subscribers. Krea Lindquist, thank you. And Christine Violet, thank you. Couldn't do it without you. Yeah, we've been working on the website too, the Dark Art Society website, darkartsociety.com. So now when you join on the Patreon, you can just log right into the website using your Patreon credentials, which is super cool. And we are really trying to make it uh an extension of the Dark Art Society cooperative Facebook group and hopefully we can move everybody eventually to the website and it could be our own little thing and we can be saying fuck Facebook. I don't know if you watched The Social Dilemma yet, but you should. Okay, let's get into it. Doug Stanit on deck. Here you go. Hope you like it. Take it away, Doug. Hello, Doug. Hello, Chet. How are you? i'm doing pretty well thank you surviving, Are you... surviving the fires us yeah. california folks
1: yeah the the fire situation is much much better
0: yeah ours is <clears throat> i live right next to these foothills in monrovia so it was like we were on in the news monrovia that bobcat fire was like in, i could see it from my porch it was it was crazy i mean it you was like flames oh t- from your huge flam- flames yeah yeah like it was insane because um, we have the mountain view if you go out in our porch you can see the mountains were pretty close to them so it was just burning and burning it was so and so smoky it was like yellow out and it was like a foggy day it got so smoky some days it was insane but now it's they like kept it from going into Monrovia and it's just like this gray mountain range where everything's yeah. burned it's like there's nothing left to burn except I go out right before I came in to get ready for this and there's another thing of smoke like right on the other side of the mountain, coming up like a new fire uh-huh. started. So hopefully this one doesn't, it's not windy out. So hopefully it doesn't kick, kick up into something big. And there's a bunch of helicopters there, but man, this is. So
1: do you, do you see the helicopters coming in and dump mm-hmm.
0: it? Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's over the mountain. The scary one was when you could see the flames like on the side of the mountain facing us with all these helicopters and planes, you could just see it all happening. But, um, this one seems to be happening over the crest of the mountain, but that's how the last one started. Right. But but there's nothing left to burn over here.
1: Everything (laughs) happened on the other side of the hills. And, um, and so, uh, I'm, as soon as, as soon as I'm allowed to, I'm going to hike up Mm -hmm. the hill and look over the other side. I imagine it's just completely blackened.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, it's going to look like Ash Mountain,
1: but the one near us, fortunately, you know, it, it burned basically from the Bay Area all the way to I 5,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: there just isn't much there, there aren't many buildings in between there, so right. it was a huge fire. But not many people lost their houses in that fire. Um, right. and I don't think there were any fatalities, but um, it sure wreaked havoc on the air quality.
0: Oh man, yeah. I know. And you know what the thing I'm thinking of? It's like what is this gonna do? All that fucking smoke released into the air. Like I was telling you earlier, it's they've reported it in Europe now. That much smoke into the air. It's like yeah. how fast is that gonna accelerate this climate change, which it's like which is already going. It's really like Yeah fucked up. So fucked up. It's a layer cake of shit. Yeah. (laughs) It's a shit layer cake. (laughs) It's a, it's a layer. Okay. It's a shit layer cake. And then you ate the cake and then you shit the cake back, back out again and you made a new cake. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like a Frank Zappa concert. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So where, where exactly are you?
1: Uh, I'm in Fremont. So it's a, it's a, like I'm just, um, I'm right, pretty much right on the edge of San Jose, so I'm closer to San Jose than Fremont. Okay. Um, but it's okay. it's just it's Bay Area suburbs. Okay. Um, I think that probably Fremont's biggest claim to fame is the uh,
0: Tesla plant now. Oh uh, wow. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow.
1: So, so they it... they took an old uh, an, an old car plant that was like a Toyota, GM hybrid joint venture and, the, and tesla bought it and turned it into the tesla plant so
0: wow so is it cheaper to live in fremont than san francisco oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's still
1: too expensive but yeah
0: it, it's, it's ex- too expensive than. pretty much everywhere in california now but um yeah, yeah san francisco prices are insane ridiculous
2: yeah totally.
0: unsustainable yeah like remember when New York used to be like oh my god right. the the rents in New York are ridiculous. It's like that here now. Yeah. Ugh.
1: Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm looking to leave. Um, really?
0: Yeah. Where well, are yeah. you like another state?
1: I don't know. Uh probably. Where do you go? Uh, <laughs> Where do... I, I don't know. <laughs> uh some place that both my wife and I I feel comfortable. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And we're very, you know, we're we're very similar, but she probably likes the cold a little bit more, or like she would leave. Like, where do you like that? that the biggest problem for me leaving the Bay Area, besides leaving a handful of loved ones,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is the 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 climate is wonderful, right? Yeah, so, right. Um, yeah, you know, it's Mediterranean climate, and yeah. so. That's the thing, no matter where we go, we're pretty sure the weather's gonna be worse.
3: Right. (laughs) Definitely.
1: So I think my wife is more inclined to move where it's colder and I'm more inclined to move where it's hotter. Uh, And we know we can't move where it's the same. Yeah. Unless, you know, we go to Italy or something. Right. (laughs) Some people are doing, but I don't think we're ready to make that big a big a leap.
0: Italy's pretty amazing. Yeah, went there it,
1: when um, I was younger. But I've never been, but like I read that you know you can buy a house for a thousand bucks or something, you know, because <laughs> that like the population is is really old and they're trying to bring people in and I guess you know revitalize.
2: Huh.
1: But I'm, I guess I'm getting pretty old now, so they probably wouldn't appreciate more old people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They're trying to get young people in. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, uh, did you grow up in the Bay Area?
1: No, I grew up in North Carolina. Oh no way! Uh, North Carolina. Like, a
0: lot of people are moving to North Carolina. It's not
1: yeah. A, it's uh, che- cheaper. Uh, I mean, it's cheaper. Um, depending on where you go, the the political climate can be awful or yeah. okay.
0: Yeah, you got to go to a college town.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Chapel Hill. My dad was a computer science professor at UNC. Hmm. So um, uh, my parents are still there. My sister's still there. So, um, but to be honest, like moving back to Chapel Hill, there's just a part of my brain that feels like that would be moving backwards.
0: Right.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: And and furthermore, talk about climate. It's so humid in the oh, summer. I know, it's I know. You know, there's
0: no way I don't care. I would not move it, to a, a, pl- yeah. a place with extreme humidity. I couldn't do it. But
1: yeah. Like oh. I can remember like the, on the radio, say, they would literally say 100 degrees, 100 percent humidity. <laughs> and I'm like, how is that possible? Would not mean that it's rain?
2: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no. So, I mean, yeah, you can lay in the shade. And do nothing and just sweat like a pig. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, My wife's from um, outside of Detroit. She used to tell me about how on humid days, you just walk, you take a shower, and then you'd go outside, and then it's like you had to take another shower, just like you're yeah. covered in. That's yeah, just nasty. yeah. Everybody so hates it. Coast I don't know. <laughs> is like that. Yeah, New I don't York. know anybody who likes it. I know. I know.
1: Yeah. Washington. Yes. Yeah, it's a swamp.
0: Mm-hmm. So – Oh, I, I guess it really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't well, mean like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I can't move from. I mean, we have. I've got grandkids now here, and it's like, it's just. I've got you know too many roots in California, so yeah. it's like we're we're here. It's like I feel like we're we're here for the long haul, whatever happens, you know? So we're just kind of like digging in our heels, hunkering down and hoping for the best of it, you know?
1: I mean, that does have, that does have, you know, good side. Like you feel, okay, this is my nest and I'm going
0: to make
1: it, make it as good as I can for the time that I'm here. Right. Um, Yeah.
0: But anyway, I want to hear more about you and your art career. I mean, You've got your sculptures are awesome. Someone was Thank te- you. telling me about the other day that you were I, and I know you must have told me this because we see each other every year at Monster Palooza, and we always talk and say hi and stuff. I didn't, I didn't realize these were ceramic sculptures. I mean, I'm sure you told me, but I think I forgot. Or they're not all ceramic sculptures. Not all ceramic. Okay. So
1: pretty much all of the busts are ceramic. Okay. And and I only started doing ceramic after I quit my real job like seven years ago, or Mm -hmm. just before I quit my real job. But the mixed media, so almost all of the full figures are mixed media. Okay, okay. And so that's what I that's that's how I started way back in the early '90s with the mixed media. So how long have
0: you been doing the ceramic? You said seven years ago you started doing the ceramic stuff something like that maybe
1: it's 8 now it's mm. hard for me to keep track but okay. yeah i i um i quit pdi pdi dreamworks about <clears throat> i think it was 2013 the very end of oh, it was halloween was my last day oh. <laughs> perfect yeah. well so i went to work dressed as a quitter <laughs> what were you doing there uh i was a um i was a character technical director which um is other people might know as a, um, as a rigger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it was, um, and I worked almost exclusively on faces. That's so, crazy. um, so yeah, it was, um, uh, basically just turning, uh, face models into face puppets.
0: Um, wow. That's, you know, I, think. I, I, I it's funny because in the in the late 90s I got into computer animation really big. Like I that's that's what I was going to do. I was going to leave effects and and go to uh, computer animation because it was like this new thing. I was learning it. I was excited like you could make your own little movies in a computer and not have to deal with anybody else and I was kind of sick of effects. But I still had that like uh service provider mentality like I hadn't really thought about going out on my own or doing my own fine art it was more like I'll provide a service for somebody so and I actually started a little studio a small computer animation studio trying commercial gigs but it didn't really we got a couple little things but it didn't pan out but um, I remember reading in the magazines like in the the books about character technical directors and and I was trying to figure out the hierarchy When I was just learning computer animation on my own, because there's this weird, crazy hierarchy with these job descriptions that are just like, "What the fuck is a character?" You know, what did you call it? It was (laughs) character
1: technical director. Yeah, what's
0: a character technical director? It's like you don't, you can't really tell from the title, and so I spent so much time trying to figure out uh, what the hell I could do in there, and it seems so like so hierarchical. You
1: know. Right. Well, the pipeline is complex. As yeah. soon as you go from being a generalist, I mean, when you're a generalist, like you see, Chet, I know way more about you than you know about me because I've listened to your podcast. Some, uh, right. So, <laughs> like I know you were a lightwave user.
2: Yeah.
1: And and that's what I was too. Oh, so, really? Like, like you in the late '90s. No way. See, I was I was I, I was making my sculptures and then. I decided I wanted to make a move hmm and um, and so my you know, all through my childhood I'd done like stop-motion stuff but I'd never done it like character animation stop-motion so I thought okay I'm gonna do stop-motion um, I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a little puppet and do stop motion yeah, that's I kind of half-assed <laughs> attempt at it and it was
0: horrible it was it's horrible. so hard just rigging figures up with bones and all that, and it, it's a, it was a nightmare. Oh, this was oh, oh 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 right okay yeah.
1: Like, I was that... doing it like a you know like a like a stop motion right ring, like like well not like anybody else like a, <laughs> like an idiot. It was horrible, <laughs> and so I like I I I did enough to realize okay this is really hard. Like yeah. I have no clue, and I don't have. The knowledge or the tools to continue down this path without, like, it just grinding me up. Right.
0: What kind and of camera were you using?
1: I don't even think I even got to the camera stage. It was just like I was building the puppet. Oh, the
0: I camera. see. Like I can't <laughs>
1: animate this. this is, like I can't get it to hold the pose. Right. Like, yeah. Like, Chad, it was it was
0: I, just total shit. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, <laughs> I understand. But,
1: I, I was very familiar with um, with uh, early days computer software. Like, uh, uh, well, I knew, I mean, I had been making my living not by sculpting. Like, most of my time I've been spending sculpting, but how the money was mostly coming in was doing temp work, um, doing odd computer jobs. So everything from word processing to database design to, um, uh, uh, to Photoshop work, because, Mm. um, I mentioned that my dad is a computer scientist. He sent me off to school in 1985 with a Macintosh, you know, like one of the original
2: 12
1: K Macintosh Um, which, you know, I, I, I gotta credit him with that. Um, because like, you know, when I first got it, there was McPaint and McWright. I'm Mm -hmm. going off on all sorts of, like my story just keeps going backwards, but McPaint and McWright. And you could learn each of those in a day. Mm
2: -hmm. Like you could
1: just go through all the menu items and understand everything about them in a day. So, you know, you know, every half year when a new application would would come across my, my mitts, you'd stick it in and you'd learn it in a day and then you'd know another. Yeah. And more than most people. Like there's no way you could learn Photoshop in a day, let alone really a year probably like understanding everything about it. Mm -hmm. But so, you, you know, I started on this very, on the, the baby step, um, and so when, you know, Photoshop came out, it was not much more than just McPaint.
3: Right, right. Yeah, so,
2: yeah.
1: so anyway, I, I, I was comfortable with all this, all these different kinds of software. And I had a friend who was using the kind of software that I'd never use. And that was 3D, uh, 3D application. And he was doing, um, he was doing stills for magazine covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's this one magazine it's just a cash cow, just like every month. He made an image for them. And he had an extra seat of, I think, Strata Studio Pro, mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: which he
1: gave to me. And it was, like, for animation, it was shit. Right. Like, there there wasn't even IK. Right. And I was so naive <laughs> that, you know, I just, you know, like I, like I was accustomed to doing, diving into this. To this application and just started learning you know just going down the menu items and learning what everything in each menu meant and you know he, i'm realizing okay this is this thing is an several orders of magnitude more complicated than photoshop because now you've got um you've got time and a third dimension so right you know <laughs> um and I was so naive that the, like, the first thing I modeled and rigged and animated was a three-legged robot.
2: <laughs>
1: mo- moving through this and realizing, holy shit, animating a three-legged robot without inverse
2: kinematics... <laughs>
1: such a
2: a, feet
1: sliding
0: on the floor you know
1: (laughs) totally yeah uh so like most of the animation was spent just trying to keep the feet from from right (laughs) (laughs) it was really funny um but but i but that got me hooked yeah yeah um
0: yeah, I was and, totally uh, into it, man. I was so into it. I bought yeah. every magazine, every book. I was building my own computers. I was just like, "This is amazing," because it really is. It's amazing technology, it is. You and know? it just
1: sucks you in, mm-hmm. and you want to. You want to. Y- the thing is, it, it's it, you know, I had been sculpting for for a while at that point, and sculpting. occupies a very specific part of your brain Mm -hmm. and suddenly this 3d stuff it occupied that part of the brain but it occupied almost every other oh yeah i know
0: i i remember when i was learning 3d animation i felt like at the end of every day i felt totally drained and i felt like my brain was growing bigger and it was like i it was it was just just barely i could just barely handle it it was so hard to keep that information so like maddening
1: yeah and yeah. so no, like no more no more radio mm-hmm. not music with lyrics <laughs> only like you know I like okay play you know brian eno or something like yep. that I can handle that you know yep but it just nothing that is going to require any attention from outside so it was really you know it really um it really got me um I was addicted, and
2: yeah, I
1: a, a very quickly realized, okay, I need something better than Strata Studio Pro. And what Maya was at that point, it was like five thousand dollars for a seat of Maya.
0: Right. Back and then, when it wasn't the computer was wasn't the computer like a hundred thousand dollar computer just to run it yeah. or
1: something? It, I don't know Silicon if Silicon Graphics
0: you could buy or something. PC
1: at that point, but it was out of the question. Right. <laughs> But um, but like you, I turned to Lightwave. I was able to get a side grade from Strata, and mm. I think I was able to buy Lightwave for a thousand bucks or something, mm-hmm. um, which for me at the time was a lot of money. Uh, I mean, I was I've like I've always been super frugal, but like living in San Francisco in the '90s, that was the height of our frugality. We were like living in a warehouse and. Um, uh, health insurance was literally like a dollar a day wow! back because I, you know, I was young and it was cheaper and yeah. it was catastrophic health insurance. So, um, uh, one year, my, my, my restaurant expenditures for one year, I was like, we used to keep like totally like careful, uh, uh, records on our expenditures. And I was like going back in this year and it's like restaurant. You know, it's like a summary of the year. Restaurant three dollars. <laughs> it, it turns out like I would had one restaurant meal the entire year, and it was it was uh, it was Taco Bell.
0: <laughs> That's not a restaurant. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was a bathroom break.
1: <laughs> it was a bathroom break where I made the mistake of buying a taco. <laughs> but. Um, so a 1000 bucks was a lot of money yeah, but yeah. um but uh but I started to it, it started to pay for itself to some degree because I started to shift my work from do You remember
0: what ver- I'm sorry do you remember what version uh, I want to sp- say
1: 4.0 but that might be late like
0: I Wow you were in it before me then I think
1: um I'm not sure but I want to say 4.0 but wow. uh uh I'm sorry but guys, the, the um the, i mean it quickly became apparent that okay the modeler is awesome mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
1: and the render seems good
2: mm-hmm.
1: but the animation tools were lacking yep. for character animation so yep. did you use a, a, a uh did you use messiah
0: no, I never got to Messiah i used another plug that one i forget what it was called i was thinking about it the other day where you cut your model up in all the on all the bend points yeah and and you kind of used it almost to puppeteer your real model it was i forget what it was called it was like one of those big plugins by one of those plug-in guys that was doing right. Lightwave wave plugins it was before messiah though so I never, yeah, but I never got to use it. I, a, I, I would don't even Puppet remember. Puppet Master, that. maybe something. Oh no! Yeah,
1: yeah something yeah, that, that, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds familiar. Um, well, I mean, I bought Messiah, and I mean, it was clunky the way it hooked into Lightwave,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but it was way more powerful. Like it actually, it was, it was, it was designed for character animation. Right. Um. So, um, so that's how I started to be able to do more competent work. Hmm. um, I don't even remember what
0: question I was answering here. um, I don't either <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what question I asked, so we're on the same page. Uh, I mean, you but, we're talking about how you got into uh I don't even. <laughs>
1: Oh the character director yes. thing yes. Right, 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 right 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 yeah so um, so so yeah when when you're a generalist and you're doing shorts all by yourself and you're doing every step of the way I, I'm, I'm curious to know what your experience is this because I'm sure you had the same experience but then it's where do you gravitate towards like you okay you're doing everything you're right you know you're doing the concept and then the modeling and the rigging and the animation. And the lighting and the effects and the rendering, which is, you know, essentially a super simple yeah. 3D pipeline. And what I found myself doing is spending crap loads of time modeling mm-hmm. and then crap loads of time rigging. Mm-hmm. And then I would only spend a couple of days animating. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, depending on the size of the project. That's not really accurate. But like. I didn't have as much patience right. for the
2: animating. Right, right. it
0: makes sense because this is I'm well, you didn't get to the point where you were animating uh, the clay models, but again you were kind of like seems like yeah. you weren't as into animating the clay models as maybe sculpting the clay models. Yeah. Um I mean it's tedious either way, I think. Yeah. I
1: mean every step is tedious Yeah, three D. Um uh But it was, you know, and then the and then the lighting and the and the effects. Like I I really enjoyed doing effects, but, um, but I was way more interested in the characters themselves than the effects. So, so like it makes sense that I ended up, like, if I was going to be, you know, taken out of the generalist role and shoved into this giant machine that makes three D cartoon movies that I would either be a modeler or a rigger. Hmm. and um, uh, and I, I guess um, I guess I never applied to be a modeler um, you know I, I made a demo reel I had a couple of shorts and 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 then a bunch of little animations and a handful of commercial projects and made a demo reel and got hired at at PDI, which I guess at that point it was, I think it was still separate from DreamWorks. Like Hmm. DreamWorks, you know, putting the money in, I can't really remember that, but you know, it was definitely like under the umbrella of DreamWorks when I got hired already. So I got hired when they were um, ramping up to do Shrek 2. Oh, okay. And, um, and, I, being at, at PDI, um, I was there for 12 years and like watching when they would hire people like me, like because at PDI, like tech is God, like technical knowledge, like the, you know, the heavy duty programmers, they, you know, that's where the reverence is. And it makes sense because, you know, th- it was started by three guys who didn't have anything. Like they wrote all their software. Like, wow. you, you, this, But way back in the, the PDI was when when DreamWorks shut PDI down. They were the longest lived computer graphics studio in the world. Oh wow. And so they they were way back in the 80s. They were doing the scrubbing bubbles and the NFL football helmets that oh, would wow. smash together and you know so they were in it from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and uh, so so tech was God and and understandably so um and i noticed that they would only hire people like me who were artists first and you know i describe myself as like an artist who's not afraid of code right uh, you know, i'm i'm willing to program but and i enjoy programming but i'm not a programmer
0: you know how to code you know how to program
1: well i do but most of the coding is like frankenstein like i'll figure out what i need to do
0: that's even that though is mind-blowing to me I, it's like i never got to that stage which is why i could never do expressions in light wave or anything mathematical at all it was like i just couldn't do it i just couldn't do it right. i couldn't do rigging rigging i sucked at rigging but i i always looked at like anybody that could code in any way is like you know, I was, I'm was. still very impressed with coders and computer programmers because it's so far outside of what I feel like I could even conceive
2: right. of, well,
0: really.
1: I, I feel the same way about real coders, you know, like the right, people who, right. you know, just sit down, blah, 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 you know. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I mean, I'm probably, you You could probably be a way better, you know, scripter than you think. You just haven't had... right. The right person holding your hand yeah, to get through the process because getting over that hump, like when you first look, sit down and you, you see this gobbledygook <laughs> and you don't have anybody to help you go yeah. through it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's like here, learn, you know, learn French.
2: Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> know. More it like learn special... Chinese. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. I mean,
1: some people can do it, but it takes a special brain. Yeah. Um, to, you know, to to learn Chinese over the radio, right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um,
0: that's amazing. Okay. I, I again, I uh, interrupted you though. So you were saying uh, that you, you, they hired you because you were an artist and and a, a coder. Yeah, Some... but they,
1: they would, they would only hire people like me when they were having mass hires. Hmm. So I was super lucky to get in. I mean, super lucky, not only to get in, just cause like I just got in with no industry experience besides my demo reel. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was unusual, like not wow. coming from small. must have been
0: a good demo reel too, though.
1: I, I mean, I still kind of like it, but probably the best thing about it is the music and it's Stevie Wonder. So how do you go wrong with
2: that? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Which
0: song? What Stevie Wonder song? Uh,
1: uh, higher Ground. Oh, cool. Um, Classic. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 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 oh yeah, yeah. So so I was super lucky to get in because, like normally, when they would do the small hirings, they'd hire the amazingly smart technical people. And and you know, then if they were doing big hiring, they'd hire all the amazingly smart technical people who applied, and then they'd run out and they would say, well, now who can you know who looks good? Okay, well we, I guess we need an artist. Right. <laughs> Wow, which I mean, it's kind. of, I mean, I, it 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 was it's a little bit backwards thinking because ultimately the 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 um the product is visual and so, right. I and, and and so you know the character TD department really I think did suffer a little bit because of that attitude. Um, I mean, the animation department didn't have that attitude. They were all, you know, they were all just about being a good animator. Right. Um, right. You know, because they would have technical people to help them with, you know, oh, my, you know, my software is not working. Help.
0: Right, right. Uh, yeah, what so- a, uh, I, I, that must have been an, I don't think, I, I'm glad I never got into it professionally. Because I don't know that that would have been a good environment for me, you know. Because the, re- the thing that, that stopped me is, because I was, you know, I tried to do this studio with a couple people i knew and we were right. i don't know maybe did it for like a year and and uh and it's like it never caught on but you know we didn't know what we were doing there we didn't i had no concept of a pipeline at all it was like you just like saving objects and textures and everything's everywhere it was just insane but um i just i uh Ended up not getting into it professionally because I at one point I was like, I'm going to get a job at Digital Domain. You know, they're doing all this yeah, cool light right. wave stuff. And yeah. and I was like looking at the guys like celebrities, you know, these modelers and renderers and all the magazines and stuff. I was totally into it. And by the time I got to a point where I could probably had a, uh, enough portfolio uh, uh, demo reel stuff, that I could have got a job there, I I had this realization that this is actually probably exactly like makeup effects, except uh, less fun, (laughs) (laughs) you know, less like creative, less creative in a way, I guess, you know, and more regimented and computery. And so I was like, you know what, I don't, you know, I don't want to do, I don't want to leave this job to do it again in a place that's not even as fun as the effects studio. So Right. That's when I so You
1: had already you had already done effects work at that point.
0: Oh yeah, for like for 15 years or something. Okay. So I was right. like trying to yeah. I was at the point where I was like I want to leave, leave this business. I've kind of had enough. Oh, and this
1: was at your transition point where yeah. you were considering moving from Right. practical effects into Right, right. Yeah. I'm, think you made the right decision i think that would have been super frustrating
0: but the the other the other thing was i did um i i did these few animations for my reel and then tool my friend from tool uh the band tool he asked yeah. if I could use one for their live shows and I was like, yeah, go for it. They still use it to this day, which is oh, kind of cool, awesome. which is a light, wa- you know, a light wave <laughs> 720 oh. by 486 rendering, you know, projected. It's kind of hilarious. But, um, so I, I, uh, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. My grandkids just came over so I could hear him talking in the, in the background. Um okay so
1: so. tools using your animations. yeah
0: oh oh then so then i started doing more of these weird animations looping animations for them they hired me to do some and so then i was like i'm going to make a dvd of these and present them as like it's like a fine art piece where the tv becomes this frame and you put the animations on and they just loop like a painting like a right moving painting which I thought was like this amazing idea, which nowadays it's like, you know, that's a gif, uh, you know, it's like <laughs> everybody's doing it. But at the time it was like, wow, this kind of high concept, it's art. And so I did the whole thing. I don't know how long it took me, maybe six months or something in my basement. that did it in my basement. All I did was figure out these weird animations composite them all in after effects and do a lot actually a lot of it was probably 50 percent was using simple rendered out elements with an alpha channel bringing them to after effects and like duplicating them and blurring them out to make them look like they're far away and this and that and so i did that i did the audio i recorded all the audio and figured out how to do audio program and then i released it i got the dvd done and after that i was like fuck this you know it's it's i'm done i'm done with digital it took so much out of me and so much concentration and it was you know really i enjoyed it and i love that stuff and i and i kind of miss it but at the same time it was like i i just went to painting after that i'm gonna i gotta do something tactile and sculpting And and it was like – and then I never went back to it, which I thought – I didn't think I was going to not ever go back to it. I just never went back to it because I was getting – it's like, oh, this is way more fun than that, you know, doing oil paintings and sculpting fine art, you know. So Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, my trajectory is similar. It's just instead of doing a DVD, I got stuck at PDI for 12 years (laughs) before before saying never again, although – I mean, I don't know if I'm never going back. Occasionally, I think, "Oh, yeah, I'm gonna learn." It's good to
0: have the not. It's good to have it as like something you could fall back on if yeah. you had to.
1: And and to be honest, I would love to do shorts again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just there's all sorts of stuff I would love to do. You right. Know? You just, we only have so much time. Yeah. Um. And uh, and at this point, I'd have to learn. I mean, knowing the concepts is most of it, but you still have to, you know, either learn new software or relearn the old software and get the muscle or the, you know, the, the, it's not really muscle memory, but the. Yeah, I know what you mean. It is muscle memory. It's like the, you you know, the key memory and the mouse button memory to be able to navigate in a 3D application properly. And um, at this point. to do even the simplest thing like oh model a cube i'm right. <laughs> going just i know this is super easy i know i can i should be able to do it in five seconds but i can't remember you know what the mouse buttons do right so i know, you
0: know. i know at, at this point for i feel like you know because i want i the idea of doing my my whole thing all my paintings, like as a 3d animated movie would be to me, would be so cool. Like a, a yeah, movie, yeah. but three, totally. 3d animated, but modeled and, and rendered to look like the paintings as much as yeah. possible, you know, like a 3d version of that. Um, but at this point it's like, I would, I would just want, I would just hire every, everybody would do the work and I would just oversee it. Cause I don't see, yeah. you know, you can't really have an overall vision if you're sitting there, you know, trying to remember you know, how to long rig long
1: up to do anything significant by <laughs> right. yourself. Yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, that's what I learned doing shorts. Is that okay? This half hour short, I mean, this this ha- half minute short is going to occupy your next half year.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's you what mine was like.
0: Fifteen of, minutes worth of animation on mine. It just looped, so I got away with it. <laughs> were like thirty, they were like thirty-second <laughs> animations. The longest one was one minute, and it's like it takes so much energy and time yeah. and thought. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, and then you and then you get kind of paralyzed after you finish a project because you you look back and you see how long that took, how much effort it was, right? And you think I don't want to do that. I don't want to start that again until I know. I'm working on
0: the right project. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: You
0: know? um, hey, could you? Can we? Can I stop you there real quick? I'm gonna yeah. e- edit this out. My son came with the grandkids. He's got to go do a run for me, so to pick up pick up some molds. So can you hold on just one second? Yeah, no worries. Okay, no worries. cool. Thanks. I'll be right back. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that interruption. You know what? I'll probably just leave that in. No worries. <laughs> so that people know that why the conversation <laughs> suddenly stopped instead of going to the trouble of editing it together.
1: Yeah, there's life.
0: Yes, life happens all the time. Um, yeah, so, you know, one thing we haven't talked about, and I know you were talking about kind of going, you keep going backwards, but I sort of want to go further backwards and talk to you about your childhood and, and where you were you the art kid and were you into monsters and, and what were you into when you were a kid Were you into all this stuff then?
1: Um, I, I, I always enjoyed making things. So mm-hmm. I mentioned that we did stop motion movies mm-hmm. and, um, uh, I have some, I have some super old sculpts. Like I have this, uh, uh, some kind of green modeling clay shark it's about six inches long it's actually not bad which Mm -hmm. is not that surprising because uh i wasn't i mean i I love monsters always love monsters but the monsters that i was most exposed to were monsters from natural history Mm. so dinosaurs sharks, crocodiles dinosaurs Mm -hmm. uh, basically anything that would eat people or <laughs> might have eaten people had we lived during their existence right totally turns me on right
2: uh, i don't know <laughs> what it is <laughs> uh,
1: and, the, and, the, and 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 I, I wasn't a huge monster person in part because i get scared super easily like, <laughs> really <laughs> like, like i'm not a big horror movie person oh, okay like, okay interesting uh, like I, I i i i tend to like more horror comedy like evil dead 2 i love mm-hmm, but right like the first evil dead is you know that's not for me
2: you know? <laughs> uh, interesting uh, we've but, had a couple
0: uh, we've had a couple on here a couple artists on here that are, that do dark kind of dark monster stuff that aren't into horror we've had a few it's yeah not, I, mean, I,
1: I mean i i mean i actually i like horror I, I actually when i first started doing monster palooza i felt a little guilty i was like you know here i am at a horror convention and i don't even know half the movies that people are
2: referencing <laughs> here.
1: or i probably didn't know 90 percent right. of it, so well, it's like, I, it's I like I a cultural guilty.
0: thing it's like a culture you know it yeah, really is
1: I, I i started going back and like did this Homework, you know, okay, mm-hmm. I'm to watch a bunch of the, um, uh, you know, the, 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 um, uh, what are the Universal Classics mm-hmm. and, uh, which aren't, you know, they, they wouldn't have scared me as a kid. It's just I wasn't exposed to them. Right, right. Um, and, um, uh, and then more you know, like that, you just went through and, you know, tried to watch a bunch of the ones that I saw people, um, you know, were they were you, bl- obviously loved.
0: Right. Were but, you surprised like, at how bad they were? Because <laughs> some no, of them are no, so I, bad. I, some of the pe- well, movies surprised. that people love are so bad. No, I, I enjoy most of it. And, and
1: it's actually been really fun because I'm not as, as easily frightened as I used mm-hmm. to be. I think that's just, you know, just, you get older and you get, and desensitized at the same yeah. time.
0: I want to be scared oh. nowadays like by a movie. I can't. I, it's, it's like The Road is the last movie that I felt like Did you ever see The Road? No, oh, sounds like I probably shouldn't see it's it. Not it's not a horror me. movie. No, it's 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 so good you have to see it, but it's like you'll only want to watch it once. <laughs> it's just like it's it's a end of the world movie about a guy a guy oh. with his son just trying to survive and it's so realistic. They don't tell you what caused the end of the world. But it's so realistically done that it's just like it leaves you with this oh uh, this like this is how it would be and it's and it's right. not yeah. fun. It's not a fun movie. It's not fun at all. yeah <laughs> It's like I want to watch it again because it's so good. It's made so well, but I, I I rented it and I was so impressed. I like bought the DVD. This is when it came out like <laughs> 10 years right. ago, or I don't know how many years ago. I haven't watched it since because it was like so yeah, intense. You don't put yourself through that, right. I mean. but it's really good. Anyway, yeah,
1: I mean, I was so easily scared that I can actually remember being in the movie theater lobby when Alien came out mm-hmm. and seeing that egg, the cutout board, the egg mm-hmm. thing, and that scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who the hell would go to that movie? That looks just this egg scared right. the hell
2: out of me. That, That's you know. Funny.
1: Uh, Which I guess is kind of ironic because, like, I was totally into the idea of getting eaten by sharks. Right. (laughs) Well, it's like
0: um, you know, it's I. You know, one thing that always comes up on the podcast is that the people that are attracted to the dark art do kind of dark stuff or monsters. Um, generally seem to be confronting their own fears in a way. Uh, like working out the fear and th- with art, like gaining a sense of mastery over the thing you're afraid of by creating it. And then it's like, I got control over you because I made you. And if you related those things to the, you know, actual things that could kill you like sharks and, and crocodiles and stuff, you know, you're, you're still into the same. It's like, you're dealing with the fear and processing it and dealing with it just in a different way. Almost. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: yeah yeah
0: but your stuff is you know your stuff has that fun funny edge to it too it's like you know the stuff that you make your fine art stuff is like it's not super morbid and dark it's like cool fun you know it's got it's like comical
1: right well i mean i i think probably the 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 number one thread through my work is trying to maintain a sense of humor in the face of horror right right and um because you know if horrible things are happening and you've lost your sense of humor
0: you're fucked <laughs> You're really fucked which
1: you know I, which i've been struggling with this yeah. year it's like sometimes i am not able to laugh yeah. about what's going on and i mean i'm a firm believer that you can take things seriously and and work positively towards solving problems and still laugh. Right, right. But I, a lot of, there, too many times this year I have failed to live that, right. you know, live what my art is trying to encourage.
0: Right, right, so, yeah. It's hard, though. It's hard to do. You know, it gets, it's, yeah. the closer to home it hits for, you know, different people it's it's hard to do but you know for i feel like you know not to sound cheesy but the thing that makes uh keeps me able to ha- have such a positive attitude in the in the face of all this is having like a spiritual practice actually and right that's where I, I kind of feel like i'm super um uh, 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 what's the word I'm trying to find? Uh, Sympathetic to, to atheists and the whole atheist cause just because it's like, you know, a response to fundamentalism, which is not a good thing, I don't think. But I don't believe that there's nothing. I just, because of my experiences. And so it's like having that and having that is, um, it's like, it's <laughs> when you got no hope and it looks dire, you can go, Okay, it's a bigger there's something bigger. Everything's okay. This is all kind of just this illusion. If everything's okay ultimately. Right. And I'm not, right. you know, it's like the, that's to me like kind of the saving grace, so I you know, but that's that's me. I've just always kind yeah. of naturally had that thing. Yeah. I know a lot of people that don't feel that way, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am an agnostic. I I would I would um I would love to take solace and some understanding that's beyond my comprehension, but I have trouble with that. So yeah,
0: yeah. I think everybody's agnostic, really, because it's like nobody really knows. Even if you know, it's like even hardcore atheists, man. When you're on your deathbed, I bet you become at least agnostic because
2: yeah, I mean, know,
0: I,
1: I I think no atheists and atheists foxholes are, are the same probably guys. really agnostic because. It, it, because uh, atheists, if you're taking a reasonable point of view, y- you know, they have to accept that no one really knows. Right. So, right. Um, uh, but um,
0: I do think a lot of them do, though, because my wife watches these. She's more atheist than I am. I mean, I'm not atheist. She's she's a little she's agnostic, but she watches these atheist channels on youtube where they have like fundamentalists will call in and debate them just because she finds (laughs) it entertaining but that's what they do say that that's kind of like their their main uh thing is they they do say we don't know we just only believe in what there's evidence for right you know which that's That's, reasonable i understand it
1: that's where i am um uh
0: but then you have an insane impossible thing happen to you and what do you do with that have you ever had like an insane thing that you can't explain
1: yeah, but I, but I've also I've also had insane things that I can't explain happen when I'm on drugs.
3: Yeah, and
1: what that does for me, where that takes me, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a heavy drug user. So, right. I, but I cherish the hallucinations that I have had both Same. yeah me on too. drugs and not on drugs, and so so what what I think. It, what hallucinogens how the 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 big or for me the biggest value of hallucinogens is showing the user how powerful the mind is right how reality your reality is a construct
2: of mm-hmm. your
0: mind 100% and,
1: and because of that you cannot you, it's it's unreasonable for you, number one, to enforce your reality on other people,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's also unreasonable for you to assume that what you are experiencing when you're not on drugs has not been filtered so oh, yeah. your brain for some reason that you perceive, that you're actually perceiving, you know, quote, reality. Right, right. And like, I've seen, I've seen a ghost. Right. But I was under extreme emotional distress. Mm. I saw it as clear as day, but extreme emotional distress. And um, I am 100%. Well, I shouldn't say 100%. I am, I am, I, I am 97.6%. Confident that what I saw was a construct of my brain that did not involve my eyes, did not involve the light hitting my eyes.
0: Right, right. But so is everything else except the light part. That's the thing mm-hmm. it's like everything else is basically the same thing it's like it's an interpretation from your sense yes. sensory organs you're not experiencing anything directly everything is coming through your brain and being filtered in a certain way so it's like our ghost sightings you know the the I think the most honest thing you can kind of say is what the fuck is it we don't know I mean uh yeah
1: for me the like the my ghost sighting was I was renting a room in Santa Cruz and um, uh, when I was at, at, uh, I think my senior year at UCSC and um, uh, I was renting from this woman who had uh, two dogs and I'm I'm sitting in my room and uh, Beth was her name, she comes screaming into the house, dog, dog, come out, Patsy's been hit. So one of her little dogs had been hit by a car so I Hmm. run outside and patsy has been thrown underneath a car so she's like her body was against this tire of a car not the car that hit her but a Mm. car on the side of the street not moving a parked car and so i'm i'm there i come to patsy and like i'm comforting patsy obviously patsy's not going to survive like her eyeballs popped out of her head and it was just horrible. Right. and But she's breathing, and then she stopped breathing. And when she stopped breathing, I saw a gray mist. Right. That, like, leave the body. Like, wow. I saw it clear as day. <laughs> You're getting goosebumps. <laughs> that, I mean, and, and so I'm 97% confident that my eyes didn't see that. That, that was a... That was constructed,
0: but that right, it, it was after constructed the, after the eyeballs. But that didn't mean it didn't happen, though. Uh, explain that to me. Well, a <laughs> perhaps this crazy, insane world something happened when that dog died. You could say just the light went out and that was it, or you could say an energy, a life force, a soul, whatever left the body and and it you sensed it in some way and that's how it was constructed in your brain to see right you know that's that's i I mean that's one way of looking at it i
1: can't argue i can't argue against that this happened with
0: my wife when she uh she was with one of my uh uh, her mother's friends when she died of cancer she was with her and she said she felt but my my wife sees all kinds of shit like that she sees stuff like that a lot you know like weird things moving around she said it just there was a sense of this thing just going and like out the door <laughs> like like a wee, wee kind of cartoony <laughs> yeah <laughs> And I've been around – I mean, I I was with her mother. She lived with us when she was dying, and she died. And um, I don't know if you've been with a person when they died. It's like it, there's a sh- big difference in just this presence, this feeling. I mean, I felt as soon as she was dead, it was like, oh, she's not here anymore. It's like she left the room, but her body's sitting right there. It's like a feeling. It's weird. But, you know – yeah, you know, <laughs> just avoided. Yeah.
1: It- See, I, I mean, I can't say what you're saying is not possible or not true. Like, yeah, maybe like there's electrical impulses or something right. that I detected in some unknown sensory capacity, and that was <laughs> manifested, like my, you know, right, my, right, primordially manifested <laughs> by seeing the the smoke, and it was totally
0: appropriate, right.
1: I can't say that that's not what was happening. I mean, a
0: bunch of bananas didn't float up or like (laughs) run down the street, you know, like a gray mist. (laughs) It could have been anything. (laughs) If it was a hallucination, it could have been anything.
1: Yeah, I should change the story that a bunch of bananas popped out and ran down the street and (laughs) jumped jumped into
0: a hole. That'd be a good animation to do 3D animation.
1: (laughs) Yeah what really happens when we die? (laughs) Here's an ultra fast motion photography (laughs) to capture the bananas leaving the dog's body. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, and and that's the beauty of, you know, being an agnostic is I don't have to say anybody's full of shit. I just, you know, personally put percentages of possibility onto it so that I can say, yeah, you know, the chances that um, you know uh, Jesus walked out of that cave after he was dead are pretty R- slim,
0: right? <laughs> but that's different than <laughs> that's kind of different than than experiential stuff, and I think that's what that's kind of why psychedelics are so important is because yeah, you, they give you a direct experience of this intangible thing, Whether, yeah. whatever you kind of decide it is. You have the experience, and then you get to make your mind up about it it's not like you're reading something and taking someone else's word for it
1: i i i i almost think that yeah a a controlled safe use of hallucinogenics should be just a a a standard um standard high school experience right (laughs) So, so that we have people going out into the world understanding that you know what i believe is not I shouldn't be imposing that on I know. other
0: people. So I, strict. Know. I know. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of realizations that come out of those experiences. Um But I don't know. I know other people that like with drug, prob- drug problem drug problems like sober people. I know one guy in particular that was like Yeah, I used to use acid like a bat you know, like like any other drug. Like I used to abuse it and take it like which is you know, I always thought nobody could be addicted to acid or mushrooms. It's like how why would you wanna do that more than once? Yeah. you know it's like it's an intense, it takes a lot out of you it's it's work, yeah, you know it feels to me it felt like it always felt kind of like it was fun, but it, it a lot of the 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 valuables in stuff where I got a lot of valuable information felt like a hard work, like I felt right. tired after you know, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. I don't know. I was thinking not necessarily – I mean, although that's a great example, a ghost sighting. I was thinking like when impossible coincidences happen, those are another thing that – I don't know, synchronicities that are just like, there's no way that could have happened. And of course you can go, okay, that just shows how big the universe is and how much shit's going on. But to me, that's the same thing. You know, It's so big and there's so much that it's happening by chance is as, as it's kind of the same thing as like an intentional lining up of things. Cause it's just like, they're both, they're both beyond human comprehension.
1: Right. You know and I mean, yeah, I mean, again, I think what, what I would fall back on is just, okay, you roll the dice a million times and really weird stuff. You know, you're going to get really weird combinations of dice.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, um, you, right. You, yeah. Yeah. Right. There's,
1: there, you know, there's, you, 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 you put an infinite number of monkeys on a typewriter, and eventually someone's going to. Right. One monkey's going to type Romeo and Juliet. You know, it's. I forget what, but that's like a common thing. Like infinite creates infinite results.
3: Right. You know? Right. In, right
1: infinite tries creates infinite results. Right, right. I mean, I've had really weird, like I think especially like when traveling, like uh, um, just super weird, like uh, 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 I used to, a couple of times in my life, my wife and I have done super cheap travel for a long time, like six months at a time. Oh, wow. And so, one of these trips um, was in was to Mexico and Central America. And so we're just like, you know, super cheap backpacking around. Um, and we meet this guy from Denmark um, in, I think, Oaxaca mm-hmm. in the first month of our travel. And then we meet him again, like down in Costa Rica or Guatemala or someplace farther south, like months later. Right. <laughs> And then we meet him again. <laughs> See what in, I mean? It's like in, uh, it's insane. In Guanajuato, which if you haven't ever been to Guanajuato, every horror buff should go to Guanajuato because they have the most amazing mummy museum. Oh there.
3: yeah, yeah.
1: But but anyway, so we meet him again in Guanajuato. Like at the tail end of our trip. And it's not that unusual because these you know, there's a backpacking circuit, so people travel the same thing. But this last time, it's like, okay, this is too weird. We have to exchange long term contact information. And he hands me his notebook open to a random page. And I don't read the other text on the notebook. That Uh. would be rude. (laughs) I recognize the writing the <laughs> on the page that he's randomly open to as my first college roommate's writing.
0: Are you serious? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, though. That's to me.
1: And I'm like, wait, you know, Ethan Michaels.
0: <laughs> and you recognize the writing.
1: I recognize the writing. It's like I wasn't going to read what was written. You know,
0: but- it's not like his name was on there. It was his writing.
1: His name might have even been on there, but I wasn't like, like, right. like, it's like peripheral recognition of the, of the, That's of so his crazy. handwriting.
0: That's so crazy.
1: Um Yeah. Like, what are the chances <laughs> of that happening? But I, I just, I mean, just you roll the dice enough and weird shit is going to happen, you know? <laughs> You roll a thousand six-sided dice, you know, an infinite number of times, and it, sometimes it's going to come up all sixes.
0: Right, right. I don't know, man. I, I, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> to me, it's like, it, it doesn't mean I'm firm in, I mean, definitely, it, you know, I don't know, I don't know, but it makes me, it just it kind of reinforces my, in, in my uh intuitive feeling about the subject that's right that it's just you know it's all a big same thing it's it's like you know reality is a fractal I, i this guy martin ball that i follow he's a psychedelics guy he's really like the best psychedelics guy as far as explaining what it is he had like a major 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 uh dmt five meo dmt not regular dmt which is the you know, where you've experienced God. He said he was a hardcore atheist his whole life and he's he's an academic and um he had this experience and now he's like, Oh, it's God is a fractal energy being and it basically is everything that exists is this fractal living fractal energy being and everything is alive and this is all kind of this illusion (laughs) in some way or another.
1: I I am totally happy to recognize that there's Things going on that I just don't understand whatsoever. And, and backing up what you're just saying, like, my, my oldest son is, um, he's, he's really into philosophy and, mm. and, um, and I can't remember the last few conversations we've had about it, like the specifics, but I'm getting to the, I, I think that he's like shifting his view to um, his his like philosophy studies is shifting him, not in the direction that I would expect. It's like like sort of moving more towards the possibility that there are mm. these right Something. connections that we yeah. just don't comprehend. That's interesting. Properly, um, so I you know I I, I uh, I don't. I don't stand against.
0: Yeah, no, you're that a,
1: sort of thing. You're a true ag-
0: just, agnostic.
1: I just don't feel it myself. Right. Like I choose. I, I choose to place my probability guesses. Right. The, the, I guess my the probabilities, in in, in a completely different way. Yeah, you I put my chips on black instead of red. Right, right, right. That yeah.
0: makes you know what, though? This, this, it's kind of like people, people who don't have that feeling about it, like the sense that it's true, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like my wife is always like, I wish I had that kind of faith that you have. I just don't have it, you know? I just don't yeah. feel it. And I'm like, well, you need to trip. And she's like, that's not going to be, that's not going to be, she's, you know, her attitude is, that's not going to be real for me. If, if this is real, if God is real, God will make me see the thing I need to see and give me the feeling, but it hasn't happened. So I have to kind of assume it's not there. And I'm like, but it is there. I've experienced it a lot. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's, but it, it's all, you know, it's, it's, it's all good. We we uh, compliment each other in that way, but, um, it's kind of unfair to expect people who don't have that feeling to believe it. You know what I mean? It's
1: Yeah, I mean the world should be accepting enough that we have place for
0: right.
1: everybody as long as they aren't forcing it Exactly. On other people Exactly. And um uh and yeah, I think you can feel a little sorry for those of us who <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's like the thing is when you have that feeling and experience and and this, you know, I mean I've had moments where it's like 100% it's real for sure. Absolutely. I would bet my life on it. That's how sure I am. You know, I've had these experiences mostly during psychedelic trips where I had like a full on ego death experience where I was like past that threshold of panic and was like, ah, I'm God now. Everything's God. <laughs> but it's like I've had that that moment where it's like I feel my most real self, like I was really in touch with this deeper self. And it's like there's no question about it in my mind. But um, I don't remember what my point was. What were you saying before that? Oh,
1: about about um, feeling sorry for those of us who
0: don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the first thing you want to do when you come out of experience like that is to go and tell people because it's like it, relie- it relieves so much anxiety about death and, and anything. It relieves anxiety about everything. It's like there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about for sure. I mean, imagine the, you know, the feeling of like, oh, I don't have to worry about anything anymore. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if I get cancer and suffer and die and get tortured because ultimately, you know, I am everything and it's all the same thing. And this is all just kind of like a weird, crazy uh, game insane game (laughs) it's like
1: well i'm gonna gonna try to remember that chet told me that there's nothing to worry about i'm telling you maybe maybe i can make it through the rest of this
0: (laughs) that's kind of what was my initial point that got us on this is that that's sort of i feel like i kind of have an edge a little bit because i i do have that sense that everything you know i see
1: Talking about losing my ability to maintain, a yeah, sense right, of humor.
0: Because I, I mean, I feel you know, on a, on a surface level, it's like you know, I've been telling people you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is almost going to die. You need to really take this. You don't realize how the government works and the three branches and how important the Supreme Court is. If you're yeah. a liberal person, this is huge. This is why we make concessions. Why we. Do the thing that, you know, even if we don't love the candidate, it's about strategy. It's about the importance of the Supreme Court, which is a huge, huge thing, interpreting the Constitution, blah, blah, blah. So it's like when that happened, it was like, oh, you know, I sunk. I had that sinking feeling when I found out that she died. It
1: was a bad, bad day.
0: I know. But I know everything's going to be okay. So it's like (laughs) I just don't get that stressed out about it (laughs) because of these experiences i've had, you know. So i guess yeah. i'm it's like uh, i'm lucky, i suppose. That's what my wife says anyway. But okay, i got to ask you one thing though and we'll, we can get off the topic. But <laughs> okay, did you ever see my documentary by any chance? I don't think i have. Oh, okay, the, I'll, the, I'll send the, you one if you have a DVD player. Yeah, i would love that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, i'll send you one. Anyway, there's a story. And you have to you have to believe me. You have to assume i'm telling you the truth and i'm not lying, but this really happened to me when i was like 12 years old and i i was not raised religious it was like i guess kind of like kind of a liberal christian maybe you know right i always say my exposure to my uh vision of jesus was jesus scripes superstar that was it was like (laughs) that's how i saw jesus so that's why i never really had a huge problem with uh religion in general with christianity in general so it's like you know we were taught like Jesus was a cool guy and, you know, <laughs> whatever, not, not the dogmatic stuff. And my mom was into like hypnosis and ghosts. And she used to see a lot of things too. So super new agey liberal. And on, <clears throat> it was East, the, the, the night before Easter, I had a dream that I got crucified on the little, like I was in a line and to get saved, you had to get nailed on this tiny cross. So you had, it was like this big. <laughs> it, it was like, I remember it was like, Made of metal, like these metal, uh, like square metal stock. And so the, there was a big line, and everyone in my family's like, You got to go get saved. And I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to get nails through my hands. And it's like, my you know, my family's not like that at all. Like I said, we weren't a big yeah, Christian family. Yeah. But in the dream, they're like, You got to do it. So I finally got my turn. I got nailed up on the cross. I was like, Ah, and it hurt. And then one hand, I couldn't take it because he had to put it keep it for like 10 minutes to get saved one hand i pulled away from like ripped through the nail uh, and then i left the other one in for another five minutes like oh maybe i'll get saved if i leave the other hand in for the full 10 saved. minutes <laughs> yeah half saved so the weird part of the story i wake up the next morning and i'm seeing uh, i'm thinking about it in the shower and i and i just looked at my hands and i had marks on my hands and they were not marks you make with your finger. They were not blisters. They were these weird little... The closest thing I can describe... I have like a, a, a scar from getting shot with a BB gun. And yeah. it's a little circular... Um, just a scar. And it was like a raised little scar on both my hands. Not in the middle, but like kind of off to the side. And they were like hard callus material. And on my left side... It was fainter than on my right side. Oh, wow. And so I had my mom take pictures. And there are pictures, but of course the pictures are kind of blurry. <laughs> they don't prove anything. And uh, and it was Easter that morning. Oh, wow. All day, and I was like tripping me out. And my mom, you know, my mom was always in, like I said, she was into ghosts. She was into all this right. stuff. So she was like, oh, cool, I'm going to take a picture. It was not like everyone was freaked out. Right. and I'd be more freaked out they didn't have enough material
1: to make a proper size cross. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're asking what's, me. <laughs> what's wrong here? They,
0: yeah. They it was like a mini. not enough
1: resources to give everybody.
0: <laughs> a mini saving. Something's but the, wrong in, and, in heaven. And then the final uh, little twist of the story is that the following day they were 100% gone without a trace. So if you just take the story and and assume I'm telling the truth because I I really am I would not lie about something like that, it was like, you know I guess you could say the the mind is just that powerful that it could do something like that physically.
1: Yeah, know? I mean that's that's what I that would be my highest possibility. Right. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That, is it your 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 mind body connection is so strong mm-hmm. that you develop these welts? They were as a but, reaction. But they were flat
0: callus material. That's the weird they were hard. Like warts that were flat. Yeah,
1: but Chet, your brain is I so know. Strong. No, 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 no. I'm just not saying so, that.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm, not, your brain is. <laughs> I'm not saying like I had a religious experience. I'm just saying it 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 was enough to like you know Make you go, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, I, I, I yeah that's freaky <laughs> as hell. Yeah, that's really, really weird. Really, maybe really, you really could weird. really be a saint at this point. Do you that, you know? Right. See <laughs> that as a miracle. You could be Saint Chet. Yeah. And...
0: <laughs> I did. I went to uh, uh, one of the the uh, uh, what was it? Oh, I think it was my one of my solo shows. It was on Halloween. We had a we had a costume party and it says, <laughs> I dressed as Jesus. I was saying I was the G- I was Jesus if he gave up. <laughs> I was like fat, older, you know, kind of like whatever, smoking a cigarette, <laughs> right? Couldn't <Yeah>. hang. <laughs> yeah the romans couldn't find him that day (laughs) and then he's like you know what i got away fuck it i'm just gonna go live the rest of my life like a regular dude (laughs) it's just too dangerous (laughs) oh man funny anyway sorry i sorry to get off on that tangent that was interesting though i mean i'm glad to hear that perspective of it because it's um it's important it's you, you should be skeptical of any of everything like that really yeah i think it's, it's dangerous you know, it's, to
1: it's important to to you know keep your mind open to all possibilities yeah. and,
2: that's the and,
1: uh, number one not enforce your mm-hmm. ass beliefs on other people exactly
0: <laughs> that's i mean that's a great point <laughs> really as long as you're doing as long as you're not messing with other people's realities yeah you're yeah. all good but okay, l- let me one more
2: thing. <laughs> one more thing. Okay, oh, wait, one.
1: hold on. Let me let me summarize. First of all, Saint Chet tells me that I just don't have to worry. That's that's the number one thing that I'm gonna that I'm gonna take away from this. Which <laughs> is awesome. I think I'm gonna get
0: way more out of this, this interview than anyone else. Okay, I just one more thing because yeah, you do I, I, you do have a more. Skeptical mindset than me, so I so I want to ask how you would perceive this. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um,
0: okay, so you know about creative visualization and that new agey uh, thing of or magic. It's called you know really focusing on something to manifest like it. Imagine
1: it to 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 cr- to yeah. make it
0: true. Will it into existence? Yeah. yeah. So you know, it, just. Every time I've done it, it's happened. Like, I've done it. I've made it happen in impossible ways. Like, for an example, I did one thing where I was like, okay, this was years ago. Well, okay, I don't want to get into specifics. But anyway, every time I've done it, it's usually been for like <laughs> – it's usually been for money, you know, because I'm like broke and I need money. Or it's like right, I've got right. some huge tax bill, so I do this thing. And it's like – the 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 amount usually it it comes like in a, either a little bit more or almost exactly at the thing i focus on so i think i think this kind of idea of magic can be more accepted because of uh like quantum mechanics the idea of quantum theory yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because I think
1: that's the kind of stuff that my son is starting to, you know, has studied more. And you know, there's tons of shit that we don't like. Isn't transcendental meditation supposed to be proven to be to have effects? And I don't even really understand what transcendental meditation is, but I think it has to do with causing things to happen.
0: I think it's, it's transcendental meditation is a specific kind of meditation, as far as I know, to where it's basically doing what all meditation is supposed to do, which is clearing your mind, like emptying your mind of thoughts and getting your mind to where it's they call it, I think they call it mindfulness meditation now to where you're not you're in the moment and you're not thinking. And it's like a it's a. I think transcendental meditation is a specific one where they give you a mantra to focus on and you repeat it over and over and over so you can't think about anything else. I think it's basically that's it. But the yeah,
1: I mean, I think I remember reading something from some source that I viewed as you know scientifically reputable. Oh yeah,
0: no, it's been proven scientifically. Was
1: effective and basically I didn't understand it enough. To be able to walk away with it, with an understanding of what was going on. Right. But I walked away with it, with an understanding that I don't know what I do. <laughs> right,
3: right,
0: right. You
1: know what I mean? So yeah, it's it's just like
0: um, that's a good attitude though to have, really.
1: How, how connections that exist that we can't see? Right. I, you know. I have no problem believing that they exist. Right. But I also am nowhere near understanding them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I operate, uh, I operate, my, my personal reality uh, does not rely on those things. Right. Um, and, um. Uh, and maybe that mindset just means that you're cut off from them too. You know, I mean, right? There's yeah, no,
0: there's yeah. no. Well, that's the, the 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 thing that one of the things that um, can happen when you start a regular meditation practice is you can start seeing crazy shit in your regular life. Like you you, you can people have you know they call them cities. I think it's like S I D D H I. I think it's a Hindu term. Um, They're like. Basically, there are there is all kinds of shit going on that we can't see. Whether you want to call them spirits or energy or whatever, and when you ha- after when you have a meditation practice for a long period of time, you can see them sometimes. Or you could have these crazy synchronicities, or you have kundalini experience where you feel energy come up through your body and go throughout the top of your head. That's like I've had it one once before, and it's really intense. It's like a real crazy feels like static electricity like your hair stands on end. but um but these old you know hindu masters are like yeah those things are real but they're not important so don't pay attention to them they're not a big deal they're just like part of the Mm -hmm. scenery they're just like a tree or you know whatever they're just right right it's interesting it's interesting yeah all right. Anyway, that's a that's cool. I just wanted to bring that up. I was just curious about your take on it because I, you know, I don't really talk to anybody. So,
1: no, you talk to people every week.
0: So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But as far you know, we don't always get into these deep conversations. Or you know, you, most people I talk to about this stuff, I already kind of like believe it. You know, right. So right. It's, so it's more like yeah yeah. But but it's it's good to get a. a a different opinion
1: for for not shunning me for not being a complete believer
0: (laughs) well no that's i mean like i said my wife is the same way she's basically got got your attitude your attitude about it except she sees all kinds of crazy shit (laughs) (laughs) and ghosts in the documentary she tells a story about how she was sleeping at someone's house a friend of hers in south africa she went to to with a friend of hers who was from south africa and this There was an armoire in the corner. She was awake, and she was looking, and this black thing, this black smoky thing came up, went to the corner of the room, and went to that corner, and went to that corner, went to that corner, and then came down in front of her. (laughs) And it was like this black figure, and she was like, put her head under the covers. Uh. And uh, so it's like she's, you know, but she still, she has the attitude more like you, which is sort of like, I don't know, you know who knows, but she's still, right, right. you know, she's, she kind of, she kind of, like I said, she kind of wants to have that faith, but she doesn't feel like she really has it. Yeah. But, but that's, I mean, that was my point in saying it's not really fair to, I think a lot of people that, that have strong spiritual beliefs, shit on people who don't believe it when they, but it's not fair to do that if they don't have the feeling it's really, you know, cause right. then what, then you'd be a dummy. For believing something that you didn't have a feeling about, you just yeah, parroting exactly. someone else's belief. Yeah. That's just another sheep. That's fundamentalism, you know. Yeah, that's bullshit. Right. So anyway, back at, <laughs> back to monsters.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I seriously do want to talk more about your work because, you know, I love your work. You've been in the uh, conjoined shows. I see you every year. Uh, are you do, are you doing are you doing molds? And resin casts? Or is it all ceramic for your base it's, and then yeah, you're adding uh, multimedia stuff on top of it?
1: I, I, I do have one casting that I had somebody do for me. Oh, you haven't but, done the molding thing yet? N- well, I, I when when I was at DreamWorks, I was hardly doing any sculpting at all. But I wanted some kind of like creative hobby. And... Um, <laughs> I had gotten really into Playmobil because I loved it when I was a kid. And then I had a kid and I was buying Playmobil for him. What's Playmobil?
2: Lo-
1: Playmobil, is, it's kind of like Legos, but it's more like creative play than building play. Oh, so okay. it's like these cute little three-inch figures. And, you know, you buy the pirates and the and the Vikings. Mm. And, you know, if you're really boring, you buy the modern-day stuff. And you the <laughs> but, um uh, I started customizing the Playmobil. Um, and the funny thing is, that, like, I love the aesthetic of it, but it's totally different than my aesthetic. Like, right. It's very symmetrical and precise and clean, right. whereas I'm just asymmetrical and as unclean as possible right, right. Uh, and still be recognizable as something. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, so I did molding and casting with that. And I did it enough to understand that a it's a real skill, like the, mm. the skills of of mold makers, are, you know, it's like thinking in the negative space right. and being able to do a proper job of it, it. You know, it's just another thing to get good at if that's yeah if you're going to go down that path, yeah. and then you know the the materials and the tool, the equipment and such um adds to it but I really didn't enjoy it and so um, oh you
0: didn't enjoy it you didn't I didn't okay. enjoy
1: the, the molding and casting part of it so right. you know I learned from that little hobby um that no molding and casting is not for me now That's I did cool. ha- I did have um have a pro make a casting of one of my ceramic pieces that is supposed to be for sale but i've been lazy about it so it's not on the web yet but right. uh, uh he, i actually have the, the one i painted is right oh, let here. me
0: get it let me get a screen grab of that that's awesome wait hold on one uh, second
1: and i i think he did an awesome job yeah that's super uh, cool
0: man that thing's gonna sell like crazy
1: i I, try, I tried to sell him once at monster palooza and they like i i didn't I said Maybe I have no. I think they. I did have it at one Monster Palooza, but my table's cluttered, and people, right. you know, like. I think I sold a couple of them. Huh. Um, you never can anyway. tell,
0: man. You never can tell what's gonna sell.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I love. I mean, when I buy artwork, I want to buy originals. I only right. have a couple of prints in my house. Right. And <sighs> and those are like, oh shit! I gotta have this, like. I would, you know, cut off my pinky to have the original, but I can't have the original because it's either too expensive or somebody else owns it. So, like, I got a couple of prints like that in my house, and mm-hmm. everything else, I, in part, because I just love rough work. Right. I would way rather buy somebody's sketch hmm. from of a painting that they, you know, their loose sketch work than um, than the final painting. Sometimes, right. you know, so. Um, and and, so I love, I love having other artists, original work, you know, it's like a piece of their soul Mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, you know, on the, on the, the other side of that coin is I love selling people my original work, you know, take a piece of my soul. Right. That being said, it's not necessarily a good business model
0: (laughs) so so every one of your sculptures is a is a original yeah that's yeah that's pretty amazing that's cool i mean to me that's like a a huge selling point i mean it might not be practical but it's
2: like i
1: mean yeah i think some people are totally into it some people don't understand at all and you know and then they say really this you know this is you know a hundred bucks.
2: Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a piece of my soul, dude. Yeah, that's, right, right. Yeah, they're used soul. to, you know, twenty-five dollar piece of resin that was pulled from a mold, and and right.
1: yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. That makes sense. So, okay, what what clay are you using?
1: Uh, for when I'm doing the ceramic work, I use a stoneware called Venus White from mm-hmm. a place called Clay Planet, which I'm fortunate to have near me they're in in the bay area so it's a great clay store they have some really nice clay bodies and i love the venus white so um so that's the ceramics yeah i, I use that clay almost exclusively um and then the when i'm doing the mixed media when i'm doing the sculpted type stuff usually it's epoxy oh okay
3: um, okay so
1: usually i mean i've i you know, I probably have four different sculpting epoxies in the studio. Huh. Magic sculpt is my favorite. Oh, really? I think it's all around the most, like yeah, it's the it's the one. If if I could only have one, it huh. would be Magic sculpt because it's it's um it's not as sticky as some of the others. But like Aves, I think is not quite sticky enough for me because you can have a little bit of trouble getting stuff to stick to it. Okay. um, Yeah. So magic sculpt is my, is my, uh, I think the most versatile of the, um, of the epoxies. Um, And it's not like, it's a like, uh, I don't uh. want to give the wrong impression. It is not a nice sculpting material. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) No, I'm not using that because I like the way. Yeah.
0: Right. You're using it (laughs) in spite of, the, exactly in spite of it and,
1: and it's what and a lot of it's what you're used to you know i mean i discovered this the, you know, i started working with epoxy putties in the early 90s when i found uh it was van dyke's taxidermy uh, catalog.
0: yeah yeah van dyke's yeah. we used That's, to order, the industry effects industry used to order eyes and all kinds of stuff from
1: yeah them. i bet that was such a cool catalog yeah uh, and uh uh so that's where I, you know I've been using it for so long that I'm pretty used to it um although more and more I've become really wary of killing myself with it cuz like the the w- health warnings on the epoxy putties seem really minimal
2: and I yeah. just feel
1: like the more I'm smelling this shit
0: You know what though I remember <clears throat> I think epoxy stuff is less toxic than 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 other materials because I remember Uh, maybe it's for Swamp Thing or the second Swamp Thing movie there was a guy maybe Carl Fullerton who did the suit and I remember hearing this in the 80s that they didn't want to use fiberglass molds or something. They didn't want to use like fiberglass jackets so they used epoxy because it's less toxic. So I think it I, I really think it is less toxic.
1: Well, when it's cured, it's certainly inert, right? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. It's but I mean, it out with no problem. But I mean, even when mixing, I think it, really, I yeah. think that's
1: good to know. I, I mean, I, I did have some dude because you know when I do Monster Palooza, a lot of times, I'll I'll buy two tables so I can take a quarter of a table to sculpt something mm-hmm. while I'm there, you know, and mm-hmm. then it's like okay, you know, I, I've passed the time, and and. You know, actually created something that I'll be able to sell at least for the price of the second table and it creates some interest for other people. Right. But the, the, but I like, I had some dude come up to me when I was sculpting with the epoxy and we were, and I was wearing gloves. And he, he said, "This real, I'm really happy to see you wearing gloves with that stuff because he had known somebody who had like died of nerve damage or some shit. Oh, wow. Like, so I just don't know how dangerous it is, but yeah. I do feel like I sometimes feel unwell mm. when I'm exposed oh, to it.
0: Oh, really? And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not using it for as much as
1: 30 years now. Right, so,
0: right,
1: right. Um, you know, it's like I'm just becoming more and more like you probably see behind me that shed there, that little mm-hmm. tent is a is a fume extractor oh, tent. That's now nice, that, yeah. Um, um, for the for the epoxy um, so so anyway I'm the. I guess what I'm saying to people who are hearing you know that I use a lot of epoxy it, 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 you know it's not a great sculpting material so <laughs> use it if you want something that's like gonna last forever
0: right it's like a you rock know, when it dries kind of sturdy and yeah,
1: yeah. It, it, so it's great for one-off sculptures mm. you know um mm. And, but if I was doing, if I was sculpting for, for molding and casting, I, I would not be using no, no. no. Yeah. Uh, and also be careful, wear your gloves. Don't, you know, right. I, I think that that's the thing with when you're, when you're an artist using all sorts of different materials. Um, and I've heard you talking about your podcast with people about, you know, getting sick using the materials, like, yeah. take as many, because you're in it for the long haul. Like, okay, if you're like a you know a weekend warrior and you're doing it like three times a year for fun, you don't have to worry about it quite so much. But long-term exposure issues, I think, are really you know something to be concerned about.
0: Yeah, definitely. I rem- do. You remember that show in the '70s? That's incredible.
1: Yeah, I remember the name more than the show. It
0: actually. was like they would feature people that did amazing things or unusual things, and it was super cheesy 70s show or 80s, maybe early 80s. Yeah, I, I,
1: I'm, I'm sure that I watched it, because what else? There was only like three to
0: watch. <laughs> yes, right. We're from that generation. But I remember one time, and this is this must have been in the 80s, because I knew what they were doing was really toxic. They did this thing where they... Basically, have you ever worked with polyfoams, like urethane polyfoams? I don't think so. Okay, because it's like foam rubber, basically, like okay. like couch material. You you mix two chemicals. It's a urethane. You mix two chemicals and um, it foams up, you know, and it will fill a mold. So you'll have like a lightweight, soft thing. And I remember they, they did a thing where they put like a huge container of one part of the chemical – and then dumped in another part of bucket, and it just went <laughs> and like all over the studio. Like they had plastic down, but I mean, it, and that stuff. The thing is, that stuff lets off cyanide gas as it's expanding. And oh, I was like, those oh. fucking idiots have no idea what they, you know, they probably just took ten years off their life to do this stupid TV show. And it was like yeah. the hosts were like, Ew, whoa, that's amazing!" Like they were standing right next to it, you know, they were breathing that shit in. <laughs> yeah people be careful yeah yeah i know i've 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 i am surprised i'm alive this long honestly i breathed in so much shit because I, I I was in effects right at a high school and it right was like, yeah you know, i did i breathed in a lot of stuff that yeah we well and that's
1: the respirator. thing safety takes time right and when you're in effects like right. you're in a hurry a lot of times mm-hmm. and yeah yeah
0: Plus you're young and stupid and feel like you're going to live forever and yeah, you know, careless, but so, okay. Uh, what about your, um, your design process? Are you, are you coming up with, uh, like sketching your ideas out or do you just kind of go for it or do you, you know,
1: usually I'm going for it. If, if it's a big piece that I know is going to require, um, like tricky, um, suspension, Right. like I like making things like like making people feel like well how is that thing standing you know and
3: right yeah uh,
1: so um, uh, like I did this one piece where there's a it's like a, a dead sailor and he's floating and there's three sh- he's floating through the water and there's of course there's no water but there's three sharks swimming around him
2: mm-hmm.
1: and there's one contact point on the base that is uh, the the um, uh, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a pectoral fin, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Just like the, you know, the shark is just skimming the, the pectoral fin is just coming right out of the base.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so for that, that's like the most complicated planning I've ever done. Where I actually, I modeled it in 3D, but it was shitty because I was all thumbs, as I was saying, I couldn't remember. But I was like, okay, this is going to be so complicated. I need to figure this out. But normally. Like just for for a regular old piece, I just start sculpting. And a lot of times mm. like I have, like if it's a ceramic piece, I won't have any clue what it's going to be. I just, you know, start working with my fingers and see if a shape comes out. Or I'll know exactly right. what it's going to be. I'll just be, yeah, I'm sculpting another dead pirate.
0: I thought, I thought with ceramic, this is cause ceramic early on when I was first decided I was going to be a fine artist and get out of effects and computer stuff and everything I was, I wanted to do be a, You know, I was a sculptor in the industry mostly. So I was like, I'm going to be a sculptor. I'm going to do these sculptures. Yeah. And because of the, the, the idea of the, the original being the original, I was thinking ultimately, um, ceramic would be the coolest because it would be a one time piece yeah. and that's it. Yeah. But isn't, isn't there like issues of, you have to carve out the middle or it explodes or if you get an air bubble in your ceramic and you fire it, it explodes. I mean, is this something that you well, have so to yeah, consider?
1: You do, but it's way less scary than we, than most people think for, huh. for two reasons. But I mean, you know, we, we grew up with our exposure to ceramics as kids is you know, this chaotic classroom, if you ever even had a ceramics classroom yeah. or camp, or whatever, it's like one teacher, thirty kids, <laughs> the true. teachers trying to get the kids not to make anybody explode. Right. Not to make anything explode true. in the kiln. Some kids are in the class trying to make something
3: <laughs> explode. Right.
1: And then furthermore, the teacher probably is not a necessarily even a ceramicist. They're right. probably just a you know, art teacher, and they're going to put stuff in an old style kiln, and they're going to fire it the best they know how, and so of course that's like you're taking all of the worst, you're maximizing right. all of the all of the bad <laughs> factors to lead to a catastrophic result. Right. So in reality, um, the smaller you work, the less you have to worry okay. about. About air bubbles, Uh and you know, I my ceramic pieces are pretty small, right? And I'm 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 purposefully working at a size in ceramics that's extremely practical. It's big enough generally. Like sometimes I go too small, and it's hard to get details in there. But it's it's big enough that generally I can put some detail in Mm -hmm. where I want it, because we know detail is not my thing. Um, you know, I'm way more about just character
0: and gesture and, Hmm. you know,
1: story. Um, but, uh, you you know, big enough to get some, to be able to see and small enough that maybe I don't even have to hollow it out. Like Hmm. a lot of times the only thing I'll do is I'll just shove a stick up its, you know, up its rear end. Just to have a, a you know a, a column of air running running up through it. If it's really big, I might or big for me, I might try to hollow it out. People who are working like doing life size busts, right? Yeah, you you sculpt. I mean, generally the process there is, or the process that I'm familiar with. Maybe there's other ways to do it. You you sculpt it, then you. But you don't detail it fine, Right,
0: right. Yeah, this is...
1: You cut it in half, and then you're dealing with so much weight. You cut it in half, you scrape out one half, and then you scrape out another, trying to get a consistent thickness. Yep. Because if you have inconsistent thicknesses, as it dries, it's going to warp. hmm and for me, it actually doesn't matter because my stuff is so asymmetrical anyway. It's and already it, warped. <laughs> it's Already warped. I don't. Generally, I don't care. Sometimes, mm. like, hey, that you know, uh, I wish it hadn't warped in that way. But right. generally, that's not a concern of mine. And and I hardly ever do big stuff where I have to cut it in half and scrape it out. But yeah,
0: that seems that, so so it, such a hard technique. It's
1: crazy. I mean, but I, you know, I have friends who do it all the time. That's mm. what they do. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and then. You put it back together. You carefully um, score and slip the the joint. Mm-hmm. You put it together, and then and then you do the final detailing.
2: Right. You know, you,
1: you fix the you fix where you've munged it up, and then you do the final detailing.
2: Right.
1: And um, and then uh, you know, then you hope it makes it through the kiln process okay. And <laughs> in general. The thing, is, the, the longer you let something dry and the slower it dries, the um, less it's going to warp and hmm. the less chance that you're going to have an accident in the kiln. And uh-huh. likewise, when you fire something, uh, I always like it for the first firing, like when I'm going from clay to ceramic. The first firing of a piece, doing doing it to what you call a bisque fire, where you're taking it to a state where it's not fully vitrified. It's not it's not as dense as it is going to be in the end, but it's in the state where it is now ceramic and it's now um, in a nice state to take the finish that you're going to put on. Oh, it. interesting. That first fire, you do it super slowly, including mm. a pre-fire where the pieces are sitting in the kiln. And you you like you ramp up like one degree at a time every minute until you get to like 180 degrees, like just below boiling point. Wow. And it sits there like if I'm worried about a kiln load, I'll let it sit there for 10 hours or even 12 hours. If I'm if I'm pretty confident, maybe eight hours. And so it's sitting there and it's because even if something is totally dry, it's still got moisture in it, the moisture in the air. Right. So unless, like, if you're in Arizona, maybe it's fully dry and has, you know, right. zero humidity in it. But, like, here there's a bit of humidity. So so this pre-fire, the, you are dehumidifying it as much as possible before you start taking it through those chemical states. And before you start taking it through those states where if there are air pockets, um, there's... Um, as little air and moisture in there as possible so that the the expansion that's going to happen and then you ramp up to the final temperature super slowly too so that things are able to escape, Hmm. hopefully. okay. Invariably, you have air bubbles and stuff. I don't think you can create a ceramic sculpture without some amount of air trapped in the clay. Yeah,
0: that's what it seems like. Like,
1: Wouldn't that seem impossible?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's um, what I always wondered. I mean, so how...
1: it's, kind of, it's kind of a myth that it's a big deal. Okay. What's not a myth is if you don't know how to deal with it, then yeah, you're going to have trouble.
0: So you, with all your experience, do you not, your, your sculptures don't blow up in the kiln? Does it pretty much at I'm, this point in your life not yeah, ever happen?
1: I'm trying to think of the last kiln accident I had, and I can't even remember it. Okay. so And, and I'll have friends come over, you know, I'll have guests come over and they'll sculpt shit, and then I'll, you know, do the super slow pre-fire <laughs> Lord only knows what they've done. Right. I haven't had trouble with their work. So, like, I, I think, a, I think a high school or you know a ceramic school or whatever these days with a my kiln is controlled by a computer. So you'd be like, you it's serious? an electric kiln that, that that the computer's built onto it. It's amazing. So it's totally different from the. 70s,
2: right.
1: <laughs> we would be you know having our work come back to us exploded which i don't really remember that experience i know i did a little bit of ceramic work
0: i you know i, I did some but, ceramic stuff when i was a kid too in high school and even in kindergarten like your
1: uncle was a ceramicist yeah like that. yeah my yeah.
0: aunt yeah aunt and uncle did ceramics so yeah and th- that stuff never exploded they let, just kind of let me play and, I, and they would fire it i guess they were small pieces you know yeah I mean, I I do
1: remember something that happened recently that, but, but it wasn't a kiln accident. It was just, I just didn't do an adequate job of slipping and scoring. So these two, like I was doing this kind of mechanical thing Mm
2: -hmm. and,
1: um, and and so I had these mechanical parts and I put them together. I just did, I was just lazy about slipping and scoring. And then when I was coloring them, um, I knocked the two pieces just knocked off, just clean. Oh,
0: wow. After, after it was fired.
1: Yeah, after it was fired, wow. and and that's probably. I mean, there's some, there's so many great things about ceramics, but one of the bummers about ceramic is every time you gotta join two pieces together, you need to slip and score carefully, otherwise, right. it's going
0: which is gonna work hard. for people who don't know what that means, it is scoring it, scoring the Scratch. two contact points, scratching it, and then cl- and then putting watery clay slip in between the two and kind of using it as like a glue right
1: exactly exactly yeah yeah and so it you know it's a time-consuming process so y- you know you, oh, you want to stick this horn on here well not so fast buddy right. you know, you want to 30 horns on you got a fucking <laughs> slip and score 30 times yeah and so
2: right.
1: you know like it'd be way way faster working with modeling clay
3: right right
1: but then you got all the advantages of ceramics which like working with ceramics it creates connections to so many things like you're you're connected to the past because you know people have been doing this process for literally thousands of years working with this you know Classic material doing the same thing you've been doing for thousands of years,
0: right? And it's like, the earth, too, is the other kind of cool thing. Yeah, you've you know? got this
1: connection to the earth, so you, you know, the all that that it you know, gives me goosebumps. You know, you're working with the earth, the shit that we're made of, right? You know? Yeah, you've got connections to uh, to science because there's so much knowledge that goes into the finishing of the ceramics and like, you know, the, the kiln and then the metals that you're melting onto it. Or if you're using glazes, the mm-hmm. glazes, um, yeah, I just, I, uh, you feel, you know, and, and the connection to the future because you're creating something that literally could last right. tens of thousands of years. And, and with that comes a certain responsibility because ultimately you're using a limited resource. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in 10,000 years, when clay we're running out of clay and somebody looks at a piece of shit that I created, and they're like, <laughs> this asshole wasted some clay.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Wow.
1: Uh, so, yeah, I mean, cl- yeah, I... I uh, if you're ever in the bay area stop if i'm still here right <laughs> come on by and 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 give it a whirl and, oh, I'd and love fire to. what you what you make and bring it down next monster palooza if we ever have another one and,
3: yeah i would love uh, to do that
1: uh, cuz I, I think you will love the sculpting properties hmm. it takes a little getting used to mm-hmm. but that's another cool thing about the, the sculpting properties of water based clay it depends on how um, how wet it
0: is. Oh yeah, I, I've I mean I've sculpted uh, not uh, ha, probably oh, half the wet, of the the wet clay. Yeah, wet right. clay. Yeah, yeah wet yeah. clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you know water based clay. I think with some added element to make it. I think more it's got sculpted. a little bit of oil in it. Yeah, okay. mineral oil yeah. or silica or something something in there to make it a little smoother. But you know that makes it to where you can't fire it i don't think right either. yeah yeah so it's I like i'm that, f- definitely familiar with you know letting something start to dry before you you know when you it starts right. off like buttery soft and then as it firms up you know you kind of time it out to, yeah
1: which matches the process right because it's loose when you want to be loose right, and right it's tight yeah. when you want to be tight and um yeah so so, you know, water-based yeah, yeah. clay is awesome. Yeah, so uh, people out there who want to give it a try, you don't have to have a kiln, because depending on where you are, you might be able to find, uh, like, a clay store or a clay club that will fire your stuff. Ah. And, it means firing stuff is generally not that expensive. It's way better to have your own kiln, of course, and right. then you can experiment more with finishing. But you can get a taste for it without, you know, jumping in... Uh, you know, in, in jumping into the deep end and spending a bunch of money on a kiln and an electrical connection that will handle your kiln.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. I, I was going to ask you, um, are there any like major resources online for people to learn about about doing this? Because I mean, there's a lot of resources on YouTube as far as learning how to do resin and silicone molding and cause that's right. kind of popular, but this is even more obscure than that in a way, which is kind of ironic since it's got way more history behind it, you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and ultimately, yeah, it's it, in a way, in a lot of ways it's just, it's simpler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started, um, uh, my, my, I had a, 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 a Nico Sangrochka, is a friend of mine at, at PDI I, I noticed he had these books on his shelf. I'm like, hey, what is this? This is a super cool book. They were Philippe Ferreau, how to sculpt um, a life size ceramic bust. Wow. And uh, he's a, he's a very accomplished sculptor, um, and he's got uh, he's got a number of books. Of, he's got a number of of, of educational books. I mean, you had two sculpting ceramic busts. So that's where I learned how to cut it in half and mm-hmm. scrape it and such. But it, that's also where I got the, you know, the idea that, hey, I, you know, I can just, you know, I can, I didn't really think of ceramics as a viable, you know, you think pots. Right. Uh, um, but no, you know, the, the, the Faroe books showed me that, yeah, you can do crazy um detailed or realistic or i mean none of those things are me but y- you could do whatever you wanted to
0: like it you could, that's what i've always wondered too because i the, the the ceramic clay that my uncle used to use that i used to play in was really gritty but there's different yeah. types so it's like right. you is it could you do like a poor detailed super polished i don't think
1: that you there there may not be any clays that you where you can get as detailed because i've always been as, curious about that as like the most high fidelity modeling clay i don't know for sure i mean you know that's not what i do anyway yeah, so, right. like so you don't need to know <laughs> the, what's the name of that scope that you know you're this oh, soft that, spot yeah yeah soft spot like
0: I wonder if that the can be done. The amount of detail
1: that you have <laughs> in that piece, I I would be surprised. But that being said, um, the difference between that fidelity and just a little, right, <laughs> right, is not that much. That's true. So, so the, so so I think the safe answer is you can get a clay body that is. Really smooth, and of the grittiness is probably that you were experiencing is probably what's called grog, and that's clay that has been fired. So they've created this ceramic and then they pound it up uh, and they put it into the clay. And so they can pound it up super fine,
3: uh, okay, or they
1: can leave it super big. And why do you want grog in your clay? Well, you know, I'm not a ceramicist, but my understanding is that grog in your clay gives it more body. It mm-hmm. makes it a little lighter mm. and gives it more body. It la- allows you to be a little bit more sculptural, have a little bit more, uh, you know, um, uh, structure, work right. with more structure because one of the huge problems with working in clay is it's really hard to have an armature because the clay shrinks a lot. Oh, right, right,
3: right, right. So
1: it's just going to crack around most armatures. Mm-hmm. There's, uh But, um, and again, I am not a ceramicist, so I don't, I'm not the be all end all here. Like I, like people go get their PhDs in this shit, right?
2: right?
1: (laughs) It's not me. I just use, I just know enough to make my little busts.
3: Right, right.
1: Um, But, but you, but like the clay that I use, a Venus white, like it, I, I do have some like texture stamps that I use very occasionally. Like, do you know, what's his name? Guinto. Uh, his first name is it? Shoot, I'm he. He's the he, he's a super nice guy. He go he does the monster paloozas He's from Florida, and he's a he's a crocodilian wrangler.
3: Oh no, so I don't know him. <laughs> he
1: he, you know, like uh, you know, the cops will call him. We have a crocodile to pick up on Elm Street or uh-huh. whatever. You no, know, he'll drive over and he'll capture the not a crocodile, an alligator, because right. that's what. You know, there's Florida crocodiles, uh, American crocodiles are in Florida, but it's mostly alligators. Anyway, um, I would hate natural history buffs to hear me saying crocodile
2: <laughs> <and> alligator. <laughs> um,
1: anyway, so so sometimes when he, the reason why I'm talking about this, sometimes he will take, he literally just takes some Sculpey and he presses it into the crocodilian, and he comes off with a totally legit texture stamp. How cool! And he goes home and he bakes them. Wow! I, I didn't get his name because it- if he's still s- selling these things, it's just- I had
0: no idea. I've never seen this guy at Monster Palooza. I would have definitely grabbed one if I did.
1: Well, um, oh here, yeah, Chris, Chris Gwinto. So, I mean, I don't think he—he. He, this is not his business. Like, he—he's a sculptor.
0: How do you how do you pronounce his last or how do you spell his last name?
1: G U I N T O.
0: Okay, Chris Guinto.
1: And he—he's—he's he's a really nice guy. And see that? Uh,
0: okay, I gotta get a screen grab. That's out of focus. So, Can you pull it back a little bit?
1: Uh, uh, let's see. Um,
0: there you go. Still a little out of focus. Hold,
1: hold on, let me let me let me macro
0: here. Oh, there we go. What no, uh, no. still not it's too, still blurry. Pull back a little uh, more. Uh, no. What's
1: going- oh? I think it's too close. Hold on.
0: Uh, almost. <laughs> Is it the other way? Uh, oh, here oh, we yeah. go. Here we We're go. It the wrong way. Can you do okay? Back, pull back a little teeny bit more. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> That's cool, man.
1: All right. So and the, the, the amazing thing, like he'll look at these and he can tell you exactly where he pulled the stamp from. Like, right. oh, this is in between the toes. Cool. So,
0: wow. That's amazing. Uh,
1: anyway, I mean, you see what that stamp looks like and I can use those
0: mm-hmm. in,
1: in the ceramic clay. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't pick it up perfectly.
0: Right. But, um, Interesting.
1: So, I mean, you should try it. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, put your focus back. You're all blurry. <laughs> I, I
1: modified my... Like, I went into my camera, like... Because it, it, the focus range was so messed up. I went in there and I, like... It doesn't matter.
0: You you my, changed <laughs> the fo- the focus on your camera?
1: Y- y- well, yeah. I watched a YouTube video of how to go in there and, like... <laughs> basically it was unscrewing the lens a little bit to to make the the focal range a little deeper i think wow uh, i can't remember what was in my craw why i did it but it was <laughs> like, i was angry at my camera at the time so, so you're
0: you're taking things apart you said you like to or build things when you're a kid did did you did you used to i, I did this i used to take everything apart When I was a kid to figure out how it worked, I used to just, I mean, I was kind of destructive in that way where I would (laughs) think I could, you know, like a tape measure. I remember taking apart a tape measure and it's just, I was never able to get it back together, (laughs) but I would take my bike apart, my skateboard.
1: Yeah, I I don't think I took that much stuff apart. I blew shit up.
0: (laughs) We all did. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, But I didn't spend that much time deconstructing things. Um,
0: That was kind of how I learned how things worked, I think. I was just interested in seeing how everything worked, you know.
1: I don't think I understand how anything (laughs) (laughs) works.
0: I was kind of destructive, too, when I was a kid, so there was that. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, this this is all really interesting. Because I, you know, it's so funny, because I was always interested in doing ceramic stuff and i and i just i never gave it a second thought because of uh the myth of exploding plus there's yeah, you know there's you don't the... gotta
2: be
1: you don't, don't gotta be afraid of that yeah um, it's just like especially um what i mean if you want to the larger you work the the more on tender hooks you have to be with every step of the process
0: couldn't now couldn't you take have, do you know about porcelain how they don't they pour porcelain slip into molds and then let it...
1: can, i think you can do that with just about any clay body because it, um,
0: it seems like you could take a mold of that soft spot and then do pour in some kind of fine clay like that and get a porcelain or or a, you know a...
1: yeah it's called slip casting well that's what um that's what uh Turkey Merc is doing now.
3: Oh, okay, he, You're right.
1: His his mugs they used to be one offs, right. And then he, you know, his mug business exploded, and he couldn't. You know, there's no way for him to meet the demand. So my understanding is he um, he got some person who was an expert at slip casting to teach him how to slip cast.
0: Right. I think we maybe and, talked about it when he was on the show.
1: Yeah, he mentioned so, it. Yeah, so I mean, you know how detailed his mugs are. Yeah, they're
0: and amazing. So
1: he, he's he's um, uh, pouring pouring in super liquid clay to to create that. I think um, it's just
0: the undercuts you have to worry about. Maybe giant, really big undercuts.
1: Yeah, I, I
0: pull it, uh, things. I, yeah.
1: The thing is, I think when you pull it out. <laughs> Play is still flexible you don't you're pulling out in like this leather
0: right leather
1: stage where you may have a little bit of of give give but i've never done slip casting hmm. so um uh it is a it is super super cool though that you can you know cast something and then fire it that yeah
0: can, it is kind of cool it is cool the idea of sculpting back into it too after you do that if you wanted to yeah. change things yeah. or add things to make them unique is kind of a cool to make idea everyone unique
1: yeah exactly yeah
0: uh so one thing i wanted to ask you that i that i um didn't ask you when we were talking about it is why did you what what was the thing that made you leave um dreamworks leave dreamworks yeah uh
1: i think it's pretty similar to why you left um effects like i i guess it's it's a little different in that it was never like like making making movies was never my end game Mm -hmm. Uh, and certainly making puppets for movies was never my end game
0: it is for some people some people that's what they want to do you know
1: right yeah if they if they had hired me to design characters for um, maybe that would be my end game, right? Mm. Like, maybe I'd still be there. Um, Right. But uh, I certainly wasn't qualified to be hired as a character designer when they hired me. Mm. Um, um, Although although maybe I'm being unfair because, like, way back in the 90s, like, I interviewed to, uh, to get on James and the Giant Peach, and the person doing the interview was like, well, we, you know, we would love to hire you, but all the creative work's already done. So if uh, we hired you, you would just be airbrushing heads. Right. Just head after head after head. And so I didn't take the job. Um, but um, ironic. Well, no, uh, anyway. Um, so it wasn't, it was never my dream job. And it was a great, it was a great job. I Learned a lot. I learned a ton from working with animators.
3: Oh, I bet,
1: um, because in, in, in you know, as a as I viewed my job as I'm creating a product for the animators. Right. And you know, especially um, starting with the second movie I worked on. The second movie I worked on was Madagascar, and I was really lucky to. You know, they they decided. Okay, you know, Doug's gonna just be a face person, and they put me uh, working with this. The only person that 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 I've known that I actually am comfortable referring to as a genius. He his name's Dick Walsh. Um, he has a um, he doesn't have an Oscar, but he has a, a Academy Award for his technical innovations in 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 rigging faces
3: wow so they
1: they they i was working under him to change the to modify the system that was used on shrek to rig the faces to modify it for madagascar so it could uh, uh entertain a, a broader range of animation you know moving towards you know the tex Avery type stuff rather mm. than the- you know, wanting to be relatively realistic. You right. know? Um, and so, um, God, I just go off on tangents. Anyway, so um, uh, oh, I'm talking about how good the job was. So, you know, I, I was doing stuff that I found really interesting and really, like, challenging and working with people that, um, that I really liked and respected um, and the culture at PDI in general is really good. Mm. It's like, like you don't have, um, uh, directors wandering around yelling at people, you right. know, it's not a prima donna sort of thing. And that's cool. And it was, you know, it was a, it was a, it was respectful. It was good for, it was family friendly. Cause it like people, there were some big layoffs while I was there, but in general, Um, you, you know, you wouldn't get laid off between projects. Um, Mm. so there were all sorts of positive things about it. Um, uh, but it was never what I wanted to do. I wasn't doing my own work. I was a cog, even though I was, you know, I was proud to be that cog and, you know, happy to have done the work that I've done and learned a lot as that cog. I was still a cog. Yeah doing other people's artwork, Yeah. realizing other people's vision. Yeah. And, and furthermore, you're, as you know, you're working on somebody else's project. So sometimes you're working on movies that you think this is the dumbest fucking
0: movie. <laughs> Most of the time for I worked,
1: me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I
0: worked on so many bad movies.
1: Uh, <laughs> so, you, you know, it, it Ultimately, I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I need to make my own work, and I don't regret my time there, but I also don't right. regret leaving one bit.
0: Sounds exactly like my situation. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But what was the the thing? Like, how did you quit? Did you get laid off? Did you just quit?
1: No, I, I got I, laid
0: I, off. I got laid off, and I was like, okay, I'm going to take my shot now. Like, I didn't. Okay. I don't know that I I I don't know how long it would have taken me to actually quit because I was still it was hard, hard to let that money go, you know? But. Yeah.
1: I, I hung on longer than I imagined. Like I've started out with a three year contract huh. and like the most I'd ever held a job. Cause I remember I, I said, I used to do temp work, right? I like just like these right. you know, do this job for, you know, two weeks or six months, but like six months would be super long right? for me to be working for, for one place. Like, you know, like I think I, I worked at the, VA at UCSF doing database work for them for like six months and that's really long for me so right. I, like I, I was like can I even hold a job for three years and then
0: you went to for twelve fifteen and years I, or twelve and years and, or yeah,
1: whatever so I was thinking yeah I'll I'll do this for three years and then I'll come out and I had been teaching three D I was like I'll be able to get an even better job teaching three D after this and um. But it kept being like, oh, there's something else I want to do. Or it's like, you know, negotiation time comes around. I'll be like, well, like I I ended up switching to four days a week. I was like, I'm quitting if I can't work four days a week. And they didn't want me to quit. So, like, I was the first person. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, What? That's kind of you. Got to be willing.
0: You got to be willing to walk away. Is the thing. Yeah, I was totally
1: willing to walk away. Yep. Um, and um, and so you know, so it was either like, like pressing for more negotiation time, totally being willing to walk away, or like, okay, there's one more thing I want to accomplish. Like, okay, they be the lead on the next movie, and so okay, I want to do that. I wanna experience that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so yeah, it was twelve years and then the, like the last the last year and a half, if I remember, it just sucked. Like I was miserable. Like sometimes <laughs> I'd like I have to take a shit and I'd go and I'd sit on the toilet and I'd take my shit and I'd be like, I don't want to go back to yeah. my yeah, to my workstation. I just can I just take a shit all day long? <laughs>
0: Oh man, but, I you know, so know no, what you're talking I got, about.
1: I got my work done, but like <laughs> the like the department was transitioning in technologies and like I I really thought that they were doing some not wise things with some of the moves that they were doing and like I it, um yeah, I I I I was a soldier and I got off the toilet and I did my work, but <laughs> I was not happy. Yeah. And so it was totally clear to me by the end that yeah, you're you're done. And so then it was it was just letting them know I was done. And I think I think the last stint that I did, they brought me back for like 6 months. Like like um cuz I, I did a number of like leaves of absences, like cuz I told you know, I'm I'm, I'm not a you know, <laughs> I should, I'd be a better hobo than worker. you know. <laughs> um, so, so I think the last thing, like I, I finished my contract and, and then I said, okay, I, I'm going to, I think I like had a month off or something and they were like, okay, just try six more months. And I, I'm not sure I'm remembering this correctly. Just try six more months. So I came back for six more months, you know, just with a six-month commitment, and after that, it was just too clear that I can't do anymore. Wow. I got it, you know. Th- th- you know, throwing away that money was hard, but like I said before, we're super frugal. We, you know, saved a lot of money and made it a safe transition to being mm. an independent artist.
0: That's
1: um, cool. So, um, wow. Uh, yeah so I don't regret at all doing it I just probably should have quit a year earlier because there's some negative memories there with the last year right
0: yeah um, it's hard being somewhere that you just especially for me it was like I, w- I had started my art career my fine art career while I was working and so I was doing that kind of de- nights and weekends and then I started seeing it um, I started selling after the f- first couple of years Right, and then you see, oh, I can do this. This is a re- reality, and then the more real it becomes, the harder it is to do the job that you're not into. Yeah, and, it's, and, yeah. It, and it just gets worse and worse. It, it was, it was, it was unbearable, and it's really, it, it sounds silly to say that because it was like a sculpting job at a makeup effect shop, <laughs> making monsters. I mean, that's like right. yeah. it doesn't get much more fun than that. But still, I was like, you know, it's the same fucking thing i've been doing for you know it's just at a certain point it's like you're you're just sculpting another tree monster face or you know or zombie or whatever yeah. it's like you know it's took the joy out of it you know so it, it was it was weird and then it took and then it was like i don't know i was really i got super bitter about it and not like way over kind of overly bitter about it um and it took me some distance to get away from it to go oh okay that was really valuable experience it was so great that i did that for 15 right. years yeah. or whatever it was so important to me as a fine artist really yeah that, that yeah
1: i totally I totally understand i think it's a very similar experience mm-hmm. and 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 likewise like realizing what i took out of it like i don't think i i don't think my 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 individual art skills grew 12 years worth. Right. But they grew more than I imagined. Mm. And a lot of that was growing in ways that being exposed to things that I never would have been exposed to had I not been working with those animators. Oh, yeah. You know, understanding, really understanding squash and stretch. And oh, yeah. understanding different ways of understanding squash and stretch. Like you see people like doing weird distortions with their sculptures. Like, Oh, I'm going to make it weird now. And they'll just, just mm-hmm. like, okay, you've distorted it, but not in a way that is aesthetically pleasing to my eye or, right. or has any sort of sense to it from in a way that like a, a animator would approach the process.
0: That, that yeah. was one of the huge things for me working in uh, Lightwave light wave was, learning about things like the properties of objects in reality that I never thought about that I never thought about just as being kind of an yeah. intuitive natural artist I never thought about what's what even specularity was a refraction or any right. of that stuff so all those textures yeah,
1: like a, a, a university education on physics or something holy totally, like...
0: man yeah yeah it's like it breaks down the property of physical objects in the three d space and so i i feel like that was a huge contributing factor to me being able to paint well is 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 knowing how you know cast shadows and bounce it's like I never went to art school so it was anything right. I learned was in books or through you know computer animation really and rendering and stuff and textures and all that you know
1: yeah that's cool i i I hadn't really thought about like becoming a better painter by yeah. You know, Coming to understand that stuff in 3d but it makes total sense
0: yeah and the the, you know the you know it's it's all but it was also sculpting i think was a big part of you know because you're you're seeing how objects you're you know just working on a three-dimensional object to me it's like you're you're understanding how things look in three-dimensional space and and so it made it it made me just be able to kind of simulate that on a two-dimensional surface, you know, even better. I, th- I feel right, like, you know, yeah. my st- I th- think my stuff looks, my paintings kind of look sculptural, and it's because... More dimensional because yeah,
1: of that work in Lightwave.
0: Yeah, and in sculpting, in effects. Oh, yeah, well, for know?
1: sure, for sure, in, in real media sculpting, yeah. I think there's yeah.
0: something about um, staring at like faces every single day and sculpting them and learning the ins and out of every shape of of the different faces for 15 years that just it's like it just kind of imprints in your brain how things are supposed to look yeah you know yeah sure so it was yeah it was like uh like i i always say it was kind of like my art school that i never went to was makeup effects you know yeah and now I use those skills for good instead of evil. <laughs> That's how I view it, even though it's not evil, but you know what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, man, this is a really excellent conversation, man. I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out. It's super fun.
1: Well, and, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on your show.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I've been, I think, probably two years ago, I asked you to come on or something, and it's I'm just not organized, so I'm glad that you said yes when i asked you finally <laughs> the, second, the second it's, time it's my pleasure. yeah but yeah um uh yeah everyone should check out your work if they're not familiar with it it's awesome stuff very cool and inspiring and really fun and uh just great work so where where I, we'll, we'll have this in the description of the um you know the body of the text of the description of the podcast but where where will pe- can people go to see your work if they're just listening and they don't want to look?
1: It's uh it's Dougasaurus.com. So D-U-G O-S-A-U-R-U-S dot com. So okay. Doug as though I was a dinosaur.
0: Okay. Without the O of Doug. The D D U like D U G like you've dug like a, dig hole. a hole. <laughs>
1: I dig so much, I'm (laughs) done.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. It was an awesome conversation. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, thanks. I had a great time.
0: Excellent. All right, let's say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye, audience.
1: Bye. Thank you. Thank
2: you for
0: listening.